The Women's IP World Annual 2023. Front Cover Text. The Women's IP World Annual 2023. Celebrating the work and achievements of women who work in IP, IP law and innovation. IP, inspiring, tenacious, influential, leadership, innovation, empowerment, knowledgeable, entrepreneurship. Profiles, articles, rankings, experience, achievements, accolades, plus much more inside. The 2023 annual edition of the Women's IP World is sponsored by Pat World, the patent intelligence platform and Lexorbis Intellectual Property Attorneys in India. Page 2. Inside Front Cover Advertisement. WebTMS. IP Portfolio Management Software. Celebrating 25 years. WebTMS turns 25 this year. It's a big year for the WebTMS team, who spent 25 years building a reputation as a trusted partner for IP professionals, delivering outstanding, innovative software. Exceptional support and constructive customer relationships. Get in touch, and we'll show you how WebTMS combine intuitive design with intelligent automation to make you more effective in your role. Email sales at webtms.com. Website www.webtms.com. Page 3. Editor's Note and Northern's Media Team. Dear readers, can you believe we are on our fourth edition of the Women's IP World Annual? Yes, for years. What started as a project to shine the spotlight on women working in IP, IP law, and innovation globally has now become so much more. We have had the pleasure of working with some super inspirational women over the last few years, some of whom have personally touched and inspired me with their candid and bare all content that I have had the pleasure to read and edit. Yes, we are professional women that work in our various roles day in and day out. Still, this publication has shown that we have many of the same values and tendencies in our work and personal lives, which has made me, and I am sure many of you, feel part of a community. This has been enhanced with the launch of the Women's IP World podcast, which we launched a couple of years ago to put a voice to the author. A very good friend to the Women's IP World, Michelle Katz from Advitum IP, LLC, based out of Chicago, USA, must be commended for the stellar job she has done as the host of our podcast that has grown immensely in popularity over the last couple of years. Michelle has spoken with our contributors on a more engaging personal level which has been endearing, in some cases, in the build-up to discussing the content published in our magazine. Both platforms mentioned have proven to be very popular in the global IP community, so much so that we created a spin-off bite-sized segment in our flagship publication, the Global IP Matrix magazine, to keep our female readers up to date with industry developments throughout the year. Many thanks to our sponsor of the segment, Ms. Laura Coleda from Dumont in Mexico, who has also been an avid supporter and contributor to the women's IP world since our inception in 2019. We want to thank all the fantastic women leaders that have contributed to the 2023 annual edition of our magazine and a special mention to you, our readers, as without your eyes and ears, there would be no publications that continue to celebrate the work and achievements of women working in IP law and innovation. We hope you enjoy this fourth annual edition of the Women's IP World 2023 as much as we have enjoyed putting it together for your reading and listening pleasure. Elvin Hassan Editor and Head of International Liaisons 
same page. Published by Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Carlos Northern, founder and CEO of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Carlos at northernsprmarketing.com. Elvin Hassan. Editor for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Head of International Liaisons for Women's IP World. Elvin at womensipworld.com. Craig Barber. Head of Design for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World Info at northernsprmarketing.com. Ashling Lenahan. Marketing and Creative Design. Northern's IP Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix Magazine and the Women's IP World Annual. Ashling at northernsprmarketing.com. Page 4. Women's IP World 2023 Content Page. Starting with Page 6. ECTA Opening Letter 2023. Diversity and Inclusion in the IP World, From Law Firms to Associations. Karina Gomez, ECTA First Vice President and Partner at Wigan LLP, Belgium. Page 9. Lexorbis Co-Sponsor Opening Letter. Women's IP World, Co-Sponsor Letter. Manisha Singh, Partner at Lexorbis, India. Page 11. Pat World Co-Sponsor Opening Letter. Catherine Parry, Sales and Marketing Manager at Patworld, United Kingdom. Law Firm Profiles, Bias, and Articles. North, Central America and the Caribbean. Page 15. Advitum, Partner Profile and Article. AI and NFTs had a baby and named her Alice, the latest breakthrough in artificial intelligence and the IP implications. Michelle Katz, Founding partner and co-authored by Natalie Elizaroff, associate attorney at Advitum IP in Chicago, USA. Page 19. Dumont, partner profile and article. Women's IP World Kende with Laura Colada from Dumont in Mexico. Laura Colada, managing partner at Dumont in Mexico. Page 25. Complete Intellectual Property Services, partner profile and article. Intellectual Property Protection in 2023. Keisha Fleming Lake, Managing Attorney at Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla. Page 29. Abdel Rozok and Associates, Partner Profile and Article. Intellectual Property and Economic Growth in Haiti. Vanessa Abdel Rozok, Partner at Abdel Rozok and Associates, Haiti. Page 35. Foga Daily. Partner Profiles and Article. Jamaica's New Intellectual Property Makeover. Diane Daly McClear, Founding Partner. Nicole Foger, Managing Partner and. Rachel Lodge Corey, Partner at Foger Daly, Jamaica. Page 41. Glitzen Hearn Augustine and Co., Partner Profiles and Article. Am I Worthy of Protection? Natalie E. Glitzen Hearn Augustine. Legal Practitioner at Glitz Law, St. Lucia. South America. Page 47. Estrategia Juridica, Director and Attorney at Law Profile and Article. Claudette Vernet, Chair of the INTA Anti-Counterfeiting Committee, interviews three IP women experts and members of INTA, their challenges become opportunities, 
and they are the best example of successful multitasking women. Claudette Vernet is director and attorney at law at Estrategia Juridica, Colombia. Europe. Page 53. Trailer Hits Trailer, Article. Appropriate Trademark Protection in the Virtual World. Ursula in Alban, partner at Troller Hits Troller, Switzerland. Page 56. Dorman IP, Director and Managing IP Consultant Profile and Article. IP Protection for Startups. Claudia Kaya, Director at Dorman IP, Switzerland. Page 60. Pakarenko and Partners, Managing Partner Profile and Article. Business and Intellectual Property in Times of Crisis. Antonina Pakarenko Anderson, the managing partner at Pakarenko and Partners IP and law firm, Ukraine. Page 65. Santiago Mediano, founding partner profile and article. Trademark protection in Spain. Silvia Hernandez, founding partner at Santiago Mediano Abogados, Spain. Page 69. Vacnina and Partners, partner profiles. Tatiana Vaknina, Senior Partner, Russian Patent and Trademark Attorney, Eurasian Patent Attorney. Elena Utkina, Patent Director, Russian Patent Attorney, Eurasian Patent Attorney. Africa. Page 71. Anku. Anku Atlaw, Partner Profile and Article. Intellectual Property Rights Infringement and Alternative Dispute Resolution, The Current Trend in Ghana. Sarah Norka Anku, Senior Partner at Anku. Anku Atlaw, Ghana. Asia. Page 77. Lex Orbis, Partner and Senior Associate Profiles and Article. Deconstructing the Efficacy in Indian Patents Law, Recent Developments. Manisha Singh, Partner and Niha Ruhela, Senior Associate at Lex Orbis, India. Page 82. L.S. Devar & Co., Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at Law, Profile and Article. An insight into the discretionary and quasi-judicial powers of controller of patents in India. Written by Dr. Joshita Kemani Devar, Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at Law, L. S. Devar & Co., India. Page 85. United Trademark and Patent Services, Senior Partner Profile and Article. Women and Innovation, The Road Less Travelled. Maria Farakia Fan Khan, Senior Partner at United Trademark and Patent Services, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. Page 89. Julius and Creasy, Partner and Associate Article. The Long-Awaited Amendment to the Sri Lankan Intellectual Property Act, Geo Registration. Anomi Wanagasekara, Partner and Head of IP and Sabira Sharif, Senior Associate at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Industry Business Services Profiles and Articles. Page 91. Patworld, Senior Patent Analyst Profile and Article. Femtech Female Technology. Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst, writing on behalf of Patworld, UK. Page 96. WebTMS, Director Article. Building an IP tech business, Rita O'Keir of WebTMS reflects on 25 years in the industry. Helen Hopper, Associate Copyright Manager at C8 Consulting and Rita O'Keir, 
Director Sales and Marketing, WebTMS, UK. Page 99. A podcast just for us 2023, article. Michelle S. Katz, founding partner at Advitum IP, LLC, USA. Page 100. Nutrition, article. Work life, how are you balancing it all? Kerry Ball is a fully insured, BANTCNHC registered clinical nutritional therapist. Page 5. Advertisement. LexisNexis. Who are the companies leading the future of science and technology? Read, the Innovation Momentum Report 2023, the global top 100 to find out. Get the report. Page 6. ECTA opening letter of the 2023 Women's IP World Annual. Diversity and inclusion in the IP world, from law firms to associations. Written by Karina Gomez, ECTA first vice president and partner at Wigan LLP, Belgium. Karina Gomez, ECTA first vice president and partner at Wigan LLP shares her views and experience with diversity and inclusion in the world of IP. In particular, she talks about the evolving approach of law firms over time, the trends within IP associations like ECTA, the impact of women in shaping IP policy and legislative developments in the EU, why diverse IP panels are enriching, the relevance of role models and the usefulness of affinity groups for practitioners. Last but not least, recent studies and recommended books on this topic. Today, we have cause for celebration, but there is still work to be done, said Karina. I am happy to contribute to this year's annual of Women's IP World. I consider these annual editions very important for all women who contribute daily to the developments in the world of IP. These editions are not only an opportunity to celebrate the achievements of these many women but also an opportunity to reflect on what more can and needs to be done. I feel that we, as an IP community, have taken large steps towards more inclusivity as compared to when I joined the profession. This is indeed a cause for celebration in and of itself. I remember that at the start of my career in private practice, the vast majority of partners at the law firm I joined were male, and there was no discussion at all about diversity or even a reflection as to why there were so few women holding partnership positions. Currently, almost all law firms are actively addressing this topic and are seeking ways to ensure and promote diversity across all levels, including in partnership positions. Law firms are, in this respect, helped by the industry. Corporations and businesses that are the clients of these law firms are requesting diverse teams of outside counsel. In pitches, a diversity section is now almost always included. Moreover, some companies have also already made clear that mere promises will not be sufficient. They are rightfully demanding effective action and data showing the diverse makeup of teams. Compared to industry, law firms still have some catching up to do, but I do see good progress. More importantly, law firms have now also come to understand that increasing diversity should not just be a response to external motivation or client satisfaction but, more importantly, the consequence of intrinsic motivation. Studies have shown that the most diverse law firms attract the most talented of the younger generation and have a higher retention rate which in turn leads to more expertise building within the law firm so that they can become thought leaders in their field. That is an important intrinsic motivation to hire and maintain diverse teams. 
apart from companies and law firms, there is also work to be done in the field of IP associations, and, in that respect, I am happy to shine a light on how ECTA is dealing with this. ECTA is an association that not only cares for a balance in IP rights but actively promotes and encourages diversity. There is a strong presence of women in our association, and this is across our membership, in leadership positions in committees, as part of the supervisory board and the board of directors. In the past 15 years, ECTA has had four women as president, and in the current board of directors, women are in the majority. The ECTA Secretariat is also composed of an all-women team. This shows how active and vital the role of women is in our association. Since ECTA is a recognized discussion partner for the most important public and political bodies, such as the EU institutions, EUIPO, WIPO, and other national and international organizations, it strongly influences the developments and future of intellectual property rights. ECTA's women in leadership positions, therefore, have a real and significant impact on shaping and influencing IP policy and legislative developments in Europe through their representation of ECTA at the working groups and meetings of those institutions and organizations. As ECTA's first vice president, I am responsible for the academic program of the association. In that capacity, I am grateful also to be able to do my part to promote diversity within ECTA by creating opportunities for women to speak at our conferences and events. ECTA cares about creating inclusive and diverse panels. Diversity of our speakers and in the panels is of the utmost importance as it enables us to view and understand topics from different perspectives, rendering the discussions more interesting and creating more opportunities to learn from each other. Unfortunately, Diverse panels during conferences are still not a given. I recently attended a conference in which two panels were all male. When a question was asked to address the lack of women speakers on these two subsequent panels in the conference, the reply was far from satisfying. The speakers indicated that they all worked in diverse teams but that not a single woman was delegated to speak on behalf of their respective institutions. We need and can do better than that. We need to actively seek out the women who are part of the team and give them an opportunity to participate and share their opinion. This is what we try to achieve when the ECTA Programme Committee and I are working on the academic programme of the ECTA conference and events. This is not only an opportunity for these women to participate and share their opinions but also an opportunity for ECTA and the IP community as a whole to become better informed. Greater diversity not only leads to better information but also brings with it greater creativity and boosts innovation. As innovation is precisely what IP protection is all about, diversity and IP tie in well together. So, we are on the right track regarding promoting diversity and inclusion, which is to the benefit of all. Nevertheless, there is still a lot more work to be done. This is not only the case in the world of IP but in general as I read recently in Caroline Criado Perez's book Invisible Women. I highly recommend this book to anyone interested in knowing more about data bias and the gender data gap in daily life and work life and how this affects women. Specifically, on gender data in the field of patents, the EPO also published a recent study. The study confirms the general trend that participation of women, here as named inventors on patent applications, is on the rise but that there is also still a critical gender gap. 
Other books, such as the well-known title Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg and Lady Hale's Spider-Woman, are also recommended reading materials to gain insights into the work-life balance of women who are highly regarded in their profession. Turning back to the world of IP, there is still a lot of work to be done with respect to women in leadership positions in IP. I still see many female graduates joining our IP community, but as time passes, one comes across fewer female peers and colleagues. It is not uncommon to be the only woman in the boardroom to discuss an IP matter once one gets more seniority. There are still fewer women who can maintain an active career in IP. Therefore, it is of the utmost importance that we support these women not only when they enter the profession but also while they progress throughout their careers. Any initiative taken towards more diversity should be applauded and can start early on. In this respect, how we educate and raise children, both boys and girls is essential to ensure more equality for future generations. In our professional lives, I feel we all have a duty to support less senior women so they can move forward and upward in their careers. Focusing on the achievements of women in IP can be one of the ways to provide such support. It is inspiring for women to have role models. They can then see firsthand that it is possible to become a highly qualified expert in IP law. For the senior women in IP, who I believe all care for diversity, it is an opportunity to be a mentor and teach by example. It is very interesting for the mentee to learn how the mentors more senior professionals have reached their achievements. This is unique to every one of such senior women. There is no one way to achieve a leadership role, which is again the strength of diversity. Apart from having role models, particularly for women who choose to combine their careers with a family, it is also important to have colleagues with whom they can share experiences. Affinity groups within a law firm are one way of achieving this. Social events in associations such as ECTA lend themselves particularly well to sharing such experiences. ECTA members are not just colleagues and peers. We are part of the same ECTA family, which is an enriching environment. We can all learn from each other and discover new or different ways to move forward which we previously might have been unaware of. I would like to end by encouraging everyone to educate themselves further on the topic and to look out for opportunities to support other women. Today, we have cause for celebration, but there is also still work to be done. The following inspiring quote, which I first came across some years ago, is a good thought when focusing on diversity and increasing women's participation here's to strong women, may we know them, may we be them, may we raise them. Page 9. Lex Orbis Co-Sponsor Letter. Women's IP World, Co-Sponsor Letter. Written by Manisha Singh, partner at Lex Orbis, India. Female innovators are to be commended for some essential inventions and creations that are often overlooked or wrongly credited. The role of female inventors, creators, and leaders in transforming the world into a more ingenuine and innovative landscape is undeniable. More women have taken on key leadership roles in an array of industries, with intellectual property assets being one such key area. The disparity between female and male innovators has been evident in the past. Earlier, female inventors were severely underrepresented, misguided and lacked the legal acumen to protect their IP rights. Their intellectual creations were often ignored, discriminated against, or considered ineffectual. 
However, recognizing this gender gap in the IP arena has been one of the many yet critical steps in turning the situation over. Although the contribution of women innovators in IP has been severely overlooked in the past, there is a rising movement to address this issue and encourage more female participation and leadership in the sector. The past decade has witnessed a paradigm shift, with more female inventors spearheading the arena with innovative IP assets churned out of their latent creativity and imagination. The contemporary era epitomizes the role of female inventors in marking a holistic transformation in IP. Numerical evidence shows that the IP sphere has evolved into a more unbiased and empowering avenue for women, with more women entrepreneurs establishing themselves as the leaders of this new innovation-steered world. The Role of IP Laws It has also been observed that more states are realizing the need for a strong IP regime that empowers female innovators and provides them sufficient legal protection and room to flourish. The fact that now there are more female leaders in the areas of politics, law, law enforcement, and business has paved the way for better recognition for the unsung female achievers in turn. Nations with robust IP laws are witnessing a surge in the number of female entrepreneurs and small enterprise owners. Statistics also show that secure ownership of IP rights has helped these entrepreneurs cultivate economic growth, multiply employment opportunities, and level the playing field. The information gap that previously discouraged women participants is also gradually decreasing. More female innovators are becoming aware of IP processes, associated incentives, and their rights. They realize that their IP rights can help them position more strongly in the competition and elongate their career business by a long shot. Collaboration and increased participation. Furthermore, Active encouragement and initiatives by global organizations like the WIPO and national governments have led to an increase in the participation of women in the workforce and a reduction in gender inequality. Women innovators hailing from different milieus are collaborating with governments in an endeavor to preserve their cultural heritage, traditional practices, and geographical indications. Contribution by female leaders is not restricted to a single channel anymore. The ability to have an omnichannel presence on a myriad of digital platforms has further enabled female entrepreneurs to surpass their counterparts. From pharmaceuticals to biotechnology, civil engineering to environmental technology, and arts to apparel, women's participation has grown year after year. The better realization of IP rights has enabled female entrepreneurs and content creators to have more exclusive control over their work. It has also led to a superior understanding of the financial impetus associated with unique brands, original creations, and novel innovations. Making a change at the grassroots level. Lexorbis takes pride in co-sponsoring this issue of the Women's IP World magazine. The goal remains the same, to serve as value addition to knowledge and evidence of the emerging role of women in innovation and entrepreneurship. We aim to educate women on the evolving career paths within the IP industry and empower female trailblazers in leveraging the opportunities stemming from intellectual property. When it comes to bridging the gender gap in the IP service sector, we believe in concentrating on constructive measures to increase women's participation, such as mentoring programs, flexibility, and participation in professional networks. We believe in keeping an open dialogue and a balanced approach to work life in an endeavor to foster a positive workplace culture, as opposed to the popularized hustle culture that discourages the participation of female employees.
In fact, we have seen a significant increase in the number of female IP associates in the last year. Nonetheless, while it is encouraging to see an upward trend in women's participation in IP, there are still miles to go, and proactive efforts are needed to encourage and inspire women to innovate, design, and create. Underrepresentation of women in patenting and innovation has resulted in a loss of immense untapped potential. Enabling women to play an equal role in the economy has now become critical not only for the long-term growth of the nation but also for a healthy IP ecosystem that has been inaudibly patrocentric for ages. Page 11. Pat World Co-Sponsor Letter. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of the Women's IP World Annual 2023. Pat World Co-Sponsor Letter. Written by Catherine Parry. Sales and Marketing Manager, Patworld, UK. Catherine has been involved in the IP industry since 2007. As proud sponsors of the Women's IP World, we've been here from the start and witnessed the development of the publication in showcasing the magnificent women who work in IP globally. Over the last few years, much has been done to increase the potential of women in the industry, however, as we highlighted last year, we, as a company, have more to do to even out the gender imbalance. During the previous year, we have continued to work closely with attorneys and look for all opportunities to increase our presence and support to all, not just women attorneys but all minority areas of the IP community. Whilst we are pleased to say that in the last year, we have increased the number of searches from women IP attorneys by a small margin, we recognize this is a modest increase and will continue working with clients to increase our work with women attorneys. What other work have we been involved in over the past 12 months? Firstly, we've restructured our group of companies, with our search services now coming under the Patworld brand. Everything will be the same, reports completed as usual, same pricing and level of service, agreements, and same address. For all future quote search inquiries and correspondence, please use mail at patworld.com or visit order a search at www patworld.com. In addition, working with patent attorneys, we developed several new features on the Patworld database to meet the varying needs of the IP community. Patworld is a comprehensive patent database with patent analytics. Developed by us using the expertise of 18 years of IP searching, we have created a patent database that meets both experienced and novice searchers' needs. In the last year, we have increased the number of patents within the database to over 145 million. Furthermore, version 3 brings a complete redesign of the application for a smoother, more intuitive search experience, which is in addition to the As a technology transfer and commercialization manager and consultant, I found Patworld to be a powerful tool for in-depth patent searching and competitive analysis for market intelligence. It contains comprehensive information that can help steer informed decision-making. U.S. Federal Government Technology Transfer Executive Our favorite features include sidebar, notes ratings dashboard, folder indicators on the result page, save as new chart, project activity stream and the following power user features. New keyboard shortcuts. Folder name truncation searching. Publication level folder searching using the SD syntax. If you are not already using Patworld, go to www.patworld.com for further information.
you can also book a demo for you and your team. Just click on the book a demo button. Need instance access? Sign up immediately using promo code WIPW23 to get 10% off the cost of an annual subscription. The first 24 hours of any subscription is free, allowing you to trial the database at no charge. During 2023 Patworld will continue to develop new products within our database and search services to support our clients, and we welcome the opportunity to work with you in the future. We wish you a successful 2023 and ask you to reach out if we can support you and your clients. Contact us at sales at patworld.com for any database inquiries and mail at patworld.com for any search inquiries. Page 14. Advertisement. Caribbean Trademark Services. The Law Office of George C.J. Moore, P.A. Over 40 years of one-stop trademark services in the Caribbean. www.caribbeantrademarks.com Telephone, USA, 1-561-833-9000 Fax, 1-561-833-9990 Email, caribbeantrademarks.com Address, 285 PGA Boulevard, Palm Beach Gardens, Florida, 33410 Page 15. USA, Profile and Article. Name, Michelle S. Katz. Law Firm, Advitum IP, LLC. Country, USA. Position, Founding Partner. Website, www.advitumip.com. Michelle Katz, the founder of the intellectual property law firm Advitum IP, LLC has provided goal-oriented expertise in client counseling, strategic analysis, licensing, prosecution and litigation in all areas of intellectual property, IP, law for 20-plus years. Her diverse skill set and drive to deliver results applies equally to obtaining trademark and copyright registrations, issued patents, and favorable outcomes in state and federal court, before the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board, TTAB, U.S. Customs, and the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit. As a certified mediator, Michelle has also brought parties to creative solutions for their disputes. She is most passionate about giving back in a meaningful and measurable way. Her firm, in collaboration with her family, started a scholarship fund in the name of her father, an IP icon, and funds master's scholarships in the innovative sciences at the Hebrew University, Israel. Michelle also created an online mentorship program for law students and new lawyers all over the world focused on professional development and goal attainment. An advocate of education, Michelle has spoken on high-level IP topics at global conferences and to new and established business owners since she believes that business owners make better business decisions when they understand IP. Educating youth on IP subjects is important, too so Michelle has served as the expert on IP for a transformative after-school program for teens. She also shares her knowledge in articles published by the Women's IP World Annual and Global IP Matrix magazines and serves as the podcast host for the Women's IP World's podcast. As far as accolades go, Michelle has received awards from top law organizations such as Global Law Experts, Super Lawyers, IAM Strategy 300, International Advisory Experts, Marquis Who's Who in America, Leading Lawyer, Corporate Intel, Lawyer International, 
and was included in the top 100 alumni we love from the Hebrew University. Michelle's passions outside the IP world include time with family, traveling, and enjoying food, wine, and whiskey. Now an educational Instagram blogger at ordained underscore foodie. In the summertime, she volunteers at La Semana, a week-long adoption camp. Fostering cultural understanding is an integral part of Michelle's personal life and Advitum IP's business practice. Finally, Michelle believes every child should have a permanent loving home and founded the Plus One Adoption Foundation, a not-for-profit organization with a mission to increase awareness about adoption at Plusoni Adoption on Instagram and www.plusoniadoption.org. Page 16. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of the Women's IP World Annual 2023. AI and NFTs had a baby and named her Alice, the latest breakthrough in artificial intelligence and the IP implications. Written by Michelle Katz, founding partner and co-authored by Natalie Elizaroff, associate attorney at Advitum IP in Chicago, USA. As technology and the understanding of AI, artificial intelligence, and NFTs, non-fungible tokens, have grown, so has their market value and inextricably linked nature. Although NFTs can be generated using AI software, there is another trend emerging that integrates AI capabilities within NFTs. This growing involvement of AI within NFTs has resulted in intelligent NFTs, otherwise known as INFTs. The concept of INFTs grew in popularity after Aletheia AI an OpenAI developer company, teamed up with London-based artist Robert Alice to bring a virtual being to life in the form of a learning and growing AI-imbued NFT. Following this extraordinary feat of technological handiwork, they used NFT technology, which is based on the transparent and secure blockchain digital ledger, to ensure that the AI-imbued NFT called Alice was a unique, one-of-a-kind creation. Alice's aesthetic design was modeled after a simple 3D stock model, whereas her personality and curiosity took references from Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland. Since Alice, INFTs have continued to grow in popularity. Alice's unique technological composition enables people to have a conversation the same way you would with any other human, real or virtual, and discuss a breadth of both mundane and profound questions. The Aletheia AI team has continued expanding the INFT field by developing an intelligent subspace called Noah's Ark within the metaverse which invites users to create and train INFTs. These generated INFTs are not only intelligent but also come with other properties like animation, interactivity, and many other emerging generative capabilities. Aletheia AI claims that this INFT world will help preserve and evolve the culture and collective intelligence of the human species through the medium of INFTs. The future of INFTs one of the most significant differences between regular NFTs and INFTs is that regular NFTs are basic static assets. Although regular NFTs are unique, indivisible, immutable, and digitally scarce, they are still simple virtual items that cannot evolve, like images and GIFs. Conversely, INFTs are evolutionary in nature. Due to their self-learning capabilities, INFTs can create new content, write code, and otherwise develop and build their knowledge base as they interact with the environment.
They function as digital beings fueled by the possibilities of future upgrades and scalability in response to ever-changing and growing developments in AI and NFT spheres. Future uses of INFTs are immeasurable. INFTs are capable of being trained to do a variety of tasks and, in doing so, find novel ways to produce and deliver content. They can be trained to detect up-and-coming trends alongside market fluctuations in stocks and prices. AI and NFTs have become incorporated into our society, and we will likely see the growth and expansion of INFTs throughout financial institutions, education, government, retail, and more. Likewise, these AI-imbued NFTs could become infused with multilingual skills and assist users in resolving a variety of problems in real-time due to their interconnectivity, previous experiences, resourcefulness from the internet, and ability to develop solutions creatively. The combination of AI and blockchain opens a world of possibilities that are set to transform the way we understand technology to date. What does this mean for intellectual property law? Law has always struggled to keep up with the fast advances in technology. Even Alice, during a conversation with Dean Tokohoshi, responded to a question about Moore's law stating, it is, only law that is slowing down in this rapidly accelerating world. Similarly, estimates show that the law is at least five years behind developing technology. This estimation is especially concerning in view of recent developments across AI and NFTs. This has not stopped inventors and developers from continuing to pursue technological advancements and the patenting thereof. For example, Arif Khan, CEO of Aletheia AI, successfully patented the process of imbuing NFTs with AI to create intelligent NFTs, like Alice, and having them reside in the virtual ecosystem as they learn and evolve over time, see US patent no. 11,461,774b1. Despite the lag in the law, the IP community should continue to support and assist inventors with their progress in the field of AI and NFTs. Although issues may arise in determining ownership of AI-generated and INFT-generated creations, recent trends point that ownership will likely be assigned to original creators. Granting AI ownership rights has thus far been rebuked by the IP community and the USPTO, and that sentiment is likely to continue for the foreseeable future. In the meantime, the IP community may still find ways to utilize the developing INFT network. Many startup companies are already creating and optimizing AI, which can detect existing NFTs that are infringing on the artworks of third parties. Likewise, AI software can be deployed to analyze similarities and verify the originality of digital works. Overall, the revolutionary combination of AI and NFTs is still in the early stages, so expect to see more in the near future. Page 18. Advertisement. A calming influence in a chaotic world. Hackers, counterfeiters, squatters. When too much of daily professional life is filled with the stress of IP portfolio management, many companies and entrepreneurs turn to Michelle S. Katz. Calm, focused, thorough. Michelle provides a calming approach to managing IP assets. With nearly two decades of experience, Michelle conducts trademark searches, prepares opinions, and monitors trademarks to confirm that her clients' intellectual property rights are used properly and effectively. She manages copyright registration portfolios in addition to familiarizing you's 
customs with client designs in an effort to stop counterfeit goods at U.S. borders. In the area of patents, Michelle litigates complex patent litigation matters, including such varied products as textiles, hard disk drives, airbag covers, and interface transfer technology. She also manages patent portfolios to ensure U.S. and foreign patent protection for clients. Her client results have earned her recognition by Super Lawyers Magazine and Illinois Leading Lawyers. In addition, she is a founding partner of Advitum IP, an intellectual property law firm. She also is a past president of the National Association of Women Business Owners, NABO, Chicago Chapter. Advitum IP Attorneys at Law Trademarks, copyright, trade secrets, domain names, litigation, customs, anti-counterfeiting, licensing alternative dispute, resolution, and portfolio management. www.advitumip.com Page 19. Mexico, Profile and Article. Name, Laura Coleda. Law firm name, Dumont. Country, Mexico. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.dumont.com. With more than 30 years of experience in the IP field and as the firm's managing partner since 2008, Laura is a dedicated strategist and has acted on several milestone cases. Laura leads most of the firm's large and complex cases. Furthermore, Laura has a high profile, both locally and internationally. She is regularly invited to speak for Marques, UIA, ASAPI, FICPI, ABPI, and INTA and is a renowned teacher at several law schools. Laura is a three-time recipient of the Best IP Lawyers in Latin America Awards of Euromoney's America's Women in Business Law. She also continues to design strategies for clients as well as litigating. She has written about IP for national newspapers and international IP magazines. Women's IP World Magazine 2019 to 2020 Why is everybody talking about cultural misappropriation? Expert Guides Women in Business Law 2019 Cultural Misappropriation Where Mexico Stands Women's IP World Magazine 2020 to 2021 COVID-19 My Personal Journey Women's IP World Magazine 2021 to 2022 The Metaverse NFTs IP in the Virtual World Women's IP World Bite Size 2023, The Advancement of Women, and Other Minorities, in IP. She was invited to be part of the expert team to work on the wording of the Mexican Industry Property Law Amendments. She was invited to write, among all the experts, the initiative of law and the exposition of reasons which was approved a couple of years ago. Laura is a council member of Marques and the Spanish deputy editor of UIA's Jurist magazine. She is also part of the country name trademark project at ASAPI. Laura is chair of the Standing Committee on Geographical Indications in AIPPI, a member of the famous and well-known Marks Committee as well as a member of the Women's Leadership Initiative of INTA, and a member of national and international professional associations, including AIPF, ASAPI AIPLA, ECTA, and PTMG. Recently she became the International Vice President of AMPPI, the Mexican chapter of AIPPI. Laura advocates for women's equality by seeking out female candidates and offering top positions to female lawyers. She is actively involved in several associations, AIPLA, UIA, INTA. 
Laura creates awareness by speaking out about glass ceiling, diversity, equality and inclusion issues at events, including the AIPLA Women in IP event that took place at Dumont's office in Mexico City three years in a row, 2016, 2017 and 2018, as well as the INTA's Women Initiative. Dumont, led by Mies. Coleda, proposed to AMPPI, AIPPI Mexican chapter, that they should create a women's committee to empower women IP lawyers. She encouraged them to research the sociological ground because there are so few positions for women in executive positions and to create awareness among the firms in our field IP. The committee's creation is a reality today and has been modified to be the Dandai Committee of AMPPI. She is ranked in Chambers Latin America and Chambers Global as a leading lawyer, the Legal 500 Latin America, as a recommended lawyer, IP stars as patent star, trademark star, and top 250 women in IP, World Trademark Review 1000, as a leading lawyer, expert's guide, as patents and trademarks leading lawyer. Laura is also recognized as one of WIPR's influential women in IP. Ms. Coleda acts as an icon to women who wish to advance their careers in this field. The women working at Dumont often choose to stay long-term to improve their knowledge and expertise here since they are met with far less bias than is usually found at other firms in Mexico. This has made Dumont known as a firm where women are empowered, acknowledged, and groomed as lawyers. Page 20. Article. Women's IP World Kende with Laura Coleda from Dumont in Mexico. Our editor, Elvin Hassan, had the pleasure of speaking with Ms. Laura Coleda, the managing partner at the Dumont Law Firm in Mexico, to discuss inclusion and diversity within the workplace and how times have changed with even more women moving into leadership positions. Hello Ms. Coleda. We appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to speak with us today. Please let our readers know about your background and how you started with Dumont. Thank you very much, Elvin. My first job in the legal field was as an intern at an IP firm. I was still studying but wanted to get some experience. I didn't know what a trademark was, but soon I fell in love with IP, and I never turned back to see or think about other fields of law. Later, I was able to work at the Mexican Patent and Trademark Office, which was a great experience and then I returned to private practice. I was hired at Dumont to start the litigation department, and ten years later, I was the firm's managing partner. I have certainly enjoyed the ride. Latin America, in earlier years, has been known to have had the machismo stigma regarding male and female roles. Drawing from your experience, is masculine pride still a thing in the workplace, or is this now a thing of the past? First, I think that not all Latin American countries are the same, there are conservative countries, which impacts the machismo stigma. Outside of Latin America, People believe that the region is all the same, but we aren't. There is cultural diversity among Latin American countries. So, the truth is that equality is better in some countries, and in others, there is much to work on regarding these issues. Furthermore, younger generations think differently and are completely open to women's advancement and equality. Finally, there is another factor, that is how well-educated people are as well as their upbringing. Considering all the above, things are much better now, but we are far from equal. In my country, Mexico, some all-male firms have recently made women, partners of the firm, 
and I'm pleased about it and hope it is not a trend but a commitment. In many countries still, the legal profession is a man's turf, slowly but steadily, things are changing, and I believe that is due to many reasons, the global trend to include women and other minorities in the workforce, the need to be diverse if you want to be an international player and adjust to global company policies, a change of a mindset in younger generations and the hard work and dedication of thousands of women who want and deserve better opportunities. We know that you advocate for promoting inclusion and diversity within the workplace. What does Dumont have in place to ensure that it is an even playing field within the organization? I genuinely believe there is much to work on regarding inclusion and diversity in Latin America and many other regions. Many law firms are working on inclusion and diversity because someone has advocated for the issue. In our case, it was natural because since its foundation, we have had a strong women's presence, we had a female founding partner, and the first administrator was a woman. I have continued that tradition. We have had courses and workshops about diversity and inclusion, and we have strong policies in connection with equal pay. Our middle management is full of women who have worked up the ladder because they know an equal opportunity policy is in place. However, this year we want to revamp our policies as we have hired people coming from other minority groups, and we want to create more awareness and provide more information. These two issues create a workplace culture, and that is our goal. This will result in a better workplace, with happy employees that give their best to the firm. Furthermore, we think we have advanced very much in the IP field. After all, we see women as CEOs, GCs, in academia, as partners, and even managing partners because we realize that many women are working in the trademark field. Still, if we pay attention, we can see that there are not as many women dedicated to the patent field. This issue is very complicated to address, however, most of our colleagues are women in our patent department, at least in the filing department. We have many women colleagues with technical backgrounds working in all the patent fields. Has it become more apparent that women are moving into leadership roles within the IP industry, or are there still many obstacles in the way until we get there? Yes. However, we have yet to achieve equality, the statistics say so. An alarming piece of information taken from the INTA's update report to the Women's Leadership Initiative is the following. The Global Gender Gap report by the World Economic Forum emphasizes the severity of the gender gap. The study, released in 2022, calculated how long it will take for women to have equal representation to men in the workforce. Globally, it stated that if the advancement of women in the workforce remains at its current trajectory, as of 2022, it will take 132 years to close the gender gap worldwide. This represents a slight four-year improvement compared to the 2021 estimate when it was reported that it would take 136 years to reach parity. However, it represents a significant increase from the 2020 estimate, when it was reported that the gender gap would close in 99.5 years. The fact that the gender gap has further increased highlights the continued need for initiatives to advance women's representation in the workplace. The findings of the Global Gender Gap Report demonstrate that while women's presence in senior leadership roles has increased slightly from 2019 to 2021, women remain underrepresented across the corporate ladder. INTA's report also cites Grant Thornton's Women in Business Report 2021 and Women in Business Report 2022. 
It is mentioned that the percentage of women on senior management teams had increased globally, noting that a significant landmark for women's representation was reached in 2021, when 9 in 10 businesses worldwide had at least one woman in their senior management teams. This is a sharp jump from 2017, when only 66% of businesses had at least one female leader. According to such reports, Latin American women hold 25% of senior leadership positions in Latin America. The percentage of women in senior leadership positions decreased slightly between 2021 and 2022, 36% to 35%, but rose from 30% in 2018. In addition, the INTA's report cites a gradual trend of increasing female representation at the partner level and notes that some progress has also been made in advancing the interests of racially and ethnically diverse lawyers as well as LGBTQ lawyers. The report also spotlights the role of the trademark industry as a forerunner to diversity initiatives, noting that in trademarks, diversity is much higher than, in, patents both as IP advisors and IP owners. Nevertheless, Despite its hopeful predictions, the report emphasized that significant gender disparities remain in IP law firms, with women's representation below that seen in senior leadership roles in other sectors. Turning to female in-house practitioners, INTA's 2020 in-house practitioners benchmarking report presents the results of interviews with in-house practitioners and includes an overview of the perceptions of female in-house lawyers. As the report notes, while in-house practitioners saw the gender demographics of the field as being close to equal, if not majority female, many female participants wanted to see more women in leadership positions. In terms of their experience in the field, only 41% of female in-house practitioners agreed that women were respected in the field of trademarks IP law, while 62% of men agreed with that statement. These quotes from the report show that things are changing but not as quickly as we wish. Our society cannot wait more than 100 years to amend this issue. Inclusion and diversity have proven to improve the quality of a team's work, job satisfaction, and a better understanding of our modern society. Moreover, inclusion and diversity help the economy as you are enriching and increasing the workforce at all levels. I recommend that whoever is interested read the update report to the Women's Leadership Initiative. Times have clearly changed with even more women in prominent positions with various organizations globally. Were there any challenges you faced on the come up? I come from an older generation, and I did face many challenges. The legal profession was a man's turf. Law firms were skeptical about our permanence at the job if we got married and had children, sometimes we were discriminated against in receiving training or the relevance of the cases we managed. It was challenging to get promoted, and there was a salary gap, but the worst was to face discrimination or bias daily. We had to work harder, study more, etc., not to be overlooked. But fortunately, it has changed, women have demonstrated that we perform as well as any other colleague. Would you change anything from the past regarding your rise in the industry, and what advice would you give the young Laura if you could go back in time? I wouldn't change a single thing. All the hard work, struggles, long nights, etc., made me the professional I am today. I would advise young Laura to learn teamwork earlier, have more patience, and trust the process. If you do the right things, eventually, it will pay off. Finally. What advice would you give a young female practitioner entering the IP industry? I love a Latin phrase, 
Meta atrium necessitas, which translated roughly into English, means that necessity is the mother of invention. However, I want to add a twist, necessity sharpens your instincts. My advice to young female practitioners is that they should be resourceful, meaning having the ability to find quick and clever ways to overcome difficulties. Study, practice, work hard and go for the best version of yourself. Page 23. Advertisement. Dumont. Your ideas. Our business. Innovation protected. www.dumont.com. Page 24. Advertisement. Complete Intellectual Property Services, Keisha Fleming Lake. Complete Intellectual Property Services. www.completeipservices.com. Our firm provides intellectual property law services in the Caribbean region. Management of IP portfolios in the Caribbean region. Filing, prosecution, and monitoring of trademark and patent applications. Conducting and reporting on searches. Filing applications for trademark renewals. Providing services related to enforcement against counterfeit actions. Filing applications to record proprietor changes. Responding to office actions issued to international registrations for WIPO filings. Responding to office actions issued by local registries. Plus, so much more. Contact us. Complete Intellectual Property Services, Florida. 110, Front Street, Suite 300, Jupiter, Florida, 33477, United States of America. Email, info at completeipservices.com. Call, 561-769-5091. Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla. Calvin W. Lake Commercial Building. Suite 10, The Valley, Anguilla, AI 2640. Email, info at completeipservices.com. Call, 264-476-1254. With the compass as our logo, we conveniently navigate our clients through the Caribbean region. On Intellectual Property Law Matters. Page 25. Anguilla, Profile and Article. Name. Keisha Fleming Lake, LLM. Law Firm, Complete Intellectual Property Services. Country, Anguilla. Position, Managing Attorney. Website, www.completeipservices.com. Keisha Fleming Lake, LLM. Is an experienced attorney who has provided legal services to her clients for over 21 years. Keisha was born and raised in the Caribbean and from her early adult years, she resided in the United States and the Caribbean. Keisha maintains a professional and social residence between Anguilla and Florida. Keisha acquired her education in the United Kingdom, the Caribbean, and the United States. This solid educational background provided her with the necessary foundation to build upon and establish a successful legal career in the Caribbean region and the United States. Keisha started her legal career in the United States as an associate for a major U.S. law firm, where she provided legal services to Fortune 500 companies. During this time, she developed a sound understanding of the demands, attention, 
and quality of service these institutions require from their legal counsel. Following this, she practiced law in Anguilla, thereby developing her skills and understanding of the legal system in the Caribbean region. Keisha studied at the Eugene Dupuc Law School in Nassau, the Bahamas, to qualify to become a licensed attorney in the Caribbean region. With the qualifications and extensive background in practicing law in the Caribbean and the United States, Keisha is skilled in navigating all aspects of intellectual property law. Her understanding of the legal system in the Caribbean has allowed her to develop the expertise necessary to build her practice in the region. She is known among her peers and the registries in the region for her diverse knowledge and skill. She is a registered attorney in the United States, Michigan, Florida, Missouri, and also in the Caribbean, Anguilla, Antigua, Barbuda, St. Kitts, and Nevis. Keisha has focused her practice on both intellectual property law and corporate law matters. Keisha has tailored her practice to give each of her files the personalized, individualized attention required to ensure that applications are processed promptly and effectively at intellectual property offices throughout the Caribbean region. This is especially important to her, as attention to detail is needed for this region that continues to be a majority manual jurisdiction. Having been involved in intellectual property law matters where applications were refused due to complicated issues and obstacles, she has successfully resolved the issues, resulting in registrations and processing of applications. She has developed her expertise in managing large and complex intellectual property portfolios in the Caribbean. Over the years, Keisha has developed an understanding of the requirements of the various intellectual property offices throughout the Caribbean region. She remains actively involved in the management of trademark portfolios for corporations and individuals. Using her knowledge of the Caribbean region and intellectual property law practice, Keisha has authored and co-authored several articles on the trademark law practice in the region. Her memberships in the Bar Associations and Caribbean Intellectual Property Law Associations give her direct access to the updates in the laws of the region and developments at the local registries. In addition to being a member of the various Caribbean and United States Bar Associations, Keisha is a member of the American Bar Association, the Inter-American Association of Intellectual Property, ASIPI, the American Intellectual Property Law Association, AIPLA, the Organization of Eastern Caribbean States Bar Association, International Trademark Association, INTA, the Intellectual Property Caribbean Association, and the Palm Beach County Bar Association. Page 26. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of the Women's IP World Annual 2023. Intellectual Property Protection in 2023. Written by Keisha Fleming Lake, Managing Attorney at Complete Intellectual Property Services, Anguilla. In my last article, published in January 2022. I made some bold predictions about where we are headed in the Caribbean regarding the protection of intellectual property. I commented specifically on the legislative framework of the various jurisdictions in the Caribbean and the much-needed improvements in policy and practices. In this article, I continue to track the progress made in the region over the last year and share the key improvements being adopted by some islands that will positively impact the practice in the region. I start by dispelling the myth that in the Caribbean, the culturally laid-back approach to life is transferred over into the intellectual property law practice. 
While it is correct that the nationals of the Caribbean region pride themselves on their cultural approach to enjoying life with lots of colors, great food, fabulous beaches, and a laid-back outlook on life, professionals functioning in the area of intellectual property attach equal importance to applying strong, diligent focus on the implementation and maintenance of a solid legislative framework to protect intellectual property. Challenges remain in our Caribbean jurisdictions, the majority of which continue to be operated manually, requiring wet ink signatures, notarizations, and legalizations, however, there has been tremendous growth and improvement in the past few months. Jurisdiction Improved Practice Measures Over the years, we have experienced gradual enhancements in the filing systems at the local IPO offices across the Caribbean region. The passage of legislation in the various states and territories in the region improving the requirements for filing and thereby bringing their respective filing systems more in line with the modern world was a much-awaited and major improvement. In some jurisdictions, legislation has remained largely untouched, and the filing systems are still outdated and manual. For example, the legislation in the Bahamas has not been updated, and the old British classification system is still being followed. In Guyana, likewise, the legislation has not been updated in years. Notwithstanding, in other jurisdictions, the passage of local intellectual property legislation was an indication of a break from the colonial past and an implementation of a local regime adapting in response to the initiatives of the intellectual property legal minds and the local government. In the past, registration of trademarks could only be achieved via a United Kingdom, UK, registration. Now in modern times, registration of trademarks can be achieved via a national registration, and UK registration is no longer a prerequisite to filing in the Caribbean region. This change has been further magnified over time, especially in recent years, to create a more solid and reliable legislative framework for protecting intellectual property in the Caribbean region. It is of significance that the Caribbean IPO offices are not all fully electronic and there is no broad-based filing system for the region. There are still mandatory requirements in keeping with a manual filing system. Simultaneously, and important to note, without legislative changes, efforts are being taken by local IPO offices to facilitate the work of local practitioners that allow for a more effective way to protect intellectual property. In Anguilla, for example, the local registry has taken steps to streamline filing, thereby improving the processing time frames. For many years the registry was opposed to email filing, and recently there has been a welcome change where applications can be filed by email followed by originals. In addition, the registry has allocated a space specifically for IP filings, allowing for efficient processing. Though these steps may be small, in a jurisdiction like Anguilla, this serves as an indication that the intellectual property practice is being given vital attention and needed upgrades and enhancements are being implemented in this jurisdiction. Active measures to combat the trade of counterfeit goods. Importation and sale of counterfeit goods in the Caribbean are of major concern to brand owners. While counterfeit goods are less prevalent in the smaller islands, due to the interconnectedness of the jurisdictions and the wide travel between the islands, the presence on one island can quickly reach others and thereby have a widespread impact. The most common type of counterfeit goods are apparel, clothing, bags, shoes, liquor, cigarettes, pharmaceutical products, cosmetics, electronics, phone accessories, DVDs, CDS, perfumes, and jewelry. 
These goods are being imported into the region for sale online, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, and in storefronts for retail and wholesale for further distribution into the community between family members and friends. We also see pirated forms of copyright works in some jurisdictions where music, paintings, or artwork and recordings are copyrighted mainly in the form of CDS and DVDs. There is a lesser presence of software infringement. A market for counterfeit goods is easily created in a region where the culture demands access to and the personal flaunting of brand-name goods. Goods that are similar in look and quality at a cheaper price are welcomed by the local populace. This demand, coupled with the sophistication of counterfeiters in packaging and branding, creates a perfect landscape for the counterfeit trade. Consumers are inclined to pay far less for a product that is fake if there is enough similarity to the authentic product for the counterfeit to be passed off as authentic. Throughout the region, we are seeing an increased effort by brand owners and practitioners to combat the counterfeit trade. In Trinidad and Tobago, for example, the legislation that took effect in June 2020 provided for anti-counterfeit measures. In St. Martin, anti-counterfeit measures being implemented by the authorities include conferences and training held by the Ministry of Justice to create awareness and educate the public about the implications of counterfeit goods. Also, there were anti-counterfeiting campaigns held in December 2022. Efforts are also being made by SD. Martin Customs to curb the trading of counterfeit products in that jurisdiction. The Ministry of Justice has aided this effort through the provision of training for customs officers. One can only infer that with recent measures such as those noted above and legislative updates, training of border protection personnel, and active measures to end the trading of counterfeit goods, there is an active movement towards successful anti-counterfeit measures. This region has a much longer road to travel to truly combat the counterfeit issues. Yet, these small steps must be applauded and recognized as important aspects of the overall effort to combat the growing counterfeit issues. World Intellectual Property Organization in the Caribbean Region Our eyes remain focused on the actions of the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, to include jurisdictions in the Caribbean as countries that participate in the Madrid system. Under the Madrid system, Brand owners can register and manage trademarks by filing a single application and paying a single set of fees to apply for the protection of their trademark in the countries that are contracting parties to the Madrid Protocol. We have anticipated with bated breath that other jurisdictions in the Caribbean would sign on as partners in the Madrid system. In fact, while we anticipated this growth in the number of signatories to the Madrid system in the region, we also anticipated that this projected development would require a change to the filing for trademark protection. Jamaican and Belize are the most recent countries in the Caribbean region to become signatories to the Madrid Protocol. Jamaica's accession came into effect in March 2022. The Belize government deposited its instruments of accession to the Madrid Protocol on November 24, 2022, and it is scheduled to come into effect on February 24. 2023. What we are now witnessing in the region is more inclusion of Caribbean jurisdictions into a system that allows brand owners to seek the protection of their trademarks in multiple jurisdictions through one filing. This does lend itself to a change in how applications for the protection of trademarks will be filed in some countries in the region. Brand owners will have more than one option to protect their trademarks in some countries in the region. 
This development has already shown signs of having caused changes to the filing for trademark protection in the Caribbean. As more countries in the Caribbean region join the Madrid system, this shift in the filing process will become more widespread and force practitioners to change the advice provided to brand owners. This development has also created a change in practitioners' minds as we anticipate the entry of more regional countries joining the Madrid system. Some continue to welcome this growth and strengthening of WIPO in the region. The critics remain vigilant and adamant that it is still too early to determine if the expansion will result in more backlog of local filings. Currently, around 129 countries participate in the Madrid Protocol system of trademark protection. The countries where the Madrid Protocol is in force in the Caribbean region include Antigua and Barbuda, Trinidad and Tobago, Cuba, the BS Islands, Bonaire, St. Eustatius and Saba which are now part of the Netherlands, Curaçao and St. Martin, Dutch, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and Belize, as of February 24, 2023. Conclusion The intellectual property practice in the Caribbean is going through a fundamental shift. This shift is evident by the changes already in effect in several countries. This shift is one that we anticipate will create a strong legislative framework and implementation of a system of operations that is adaptive, dynamic and user-friendly. This is a welcome change for practitioners. Brand owners should rely on experienced practitioners' expertise to effectively navigate the changes to ensure proper protection of intellectual property. Page 29. Haiti, Profile and Article. Name, Vanessa Abdelrazak. Law firm name, Abdel Razak and Associates. Country, Haiti. Position, Founder Partner. Website, www.cabinetabdelrazak.com. Vanessa Abdelrazak has more than 14 years of experience in the areas of business and corporate law, intellectual property law, investment law, and public law. She provides advice to companies and individuals to help them conceive the optimal legal strategy for their business ventures. She represents her clients in a wide variety of legal disputes and transactions. Her practice and experience allow her to grasp a comprehensive understanding of her clients' needs and enables her to deliver sound and relevant legal opinions. Vanessa has also provided legal services to public entities and participated as an independent consultant in various projects for state entities and public-private partnerships. Since 2011, Vanessa is a lecturer at the National School of Financial Administration of Haiti, Ecole Nationale d'Administration Financière, ENAF, where she teaches the Introduction to Law and Contracts course. She also lectures at Quisquare University since 2016 where she teaches a course on environmental law. Her main areas of interest are intellectual property, business law, corporate law, family law, and public law. Vanessa is always giving back to her community and values being involved in social programs that provide opportunities for the less fortunate. As such, Vanessa serves as a board member for two non-profit organizations engaged in health and education in Haiti. Qualifications Law degree from Quisquay University of Haiti, cum laude. Master's degree in International and Comparative Environmental Law from the University of Limoges, France. Master's degree in Public Law from the University of Aix-Marseille, France. 
University Diploma in Comparative Legal Studies from the University of Aix Marseille, France. Certificate in Drafting and Legislative Methods from the University of Geneva, Switzerland. LLM in International Business Law at the University of London, to be completed in 2021. WIPO Certificate on Trademarks, Industrial Designs and Geographical Indications. International Centre for Settlement of Investments Disputes, ICSID, Arbitration Rules Certificate. Aircraft Acquisition and Financing, International Aviation Law Certificate, IATA, Miami. Associations and Affiliations. Member of Barreau de Port au Prince, Port au Prince Bar Association. Member of Association International pour la Protection de la Propriété Intellectuelle, AIPP. Arbitrator at Chamber de Conciliation at D'Arbitrage de Haiti. Second Vice President at Rotary Club PVSUD. Languages. French, Spanish, and English, full proficiency. Page 30. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of the Women's IP World Annual 2023. Intellectual Property and Economic Growth in Haiti. Written by Vanessa Abdel Razak, partner at Abdel Razak and Associates. The Republic of Haiti is located in the Caribbean Sea, it is the home of a rich culture inherited from the first Indian inhabitants of the islands, the Africans imported by the European settlers, and the settlers themselves. Haiti is known for having been the first black republic in the world after declaring its independence from France in 1804, declaring its freedom from slavery. This beautiful island is also known for its political and social tumult, which has never subsided and considerably slowed down its economic development over the decades. Haiti is, however, a country of natural and intellectual resources waiting to be fully developed. Indeed, Haitian art, painting, sculpture, music, and cinemas are recognized worldwide. Our writers have won international literature prizes and play a leading role in the evolution of international literature. Haitian products that have been able to break through beyond our borders do not go unnoticed. Intellectual property rights, as a legal mechanism for protecting all creations of the human mind, such as inventions, and literary and artistic works, play an essential role in monetizing these creations. By protecting these intangible assets, IP helps to encourage innovation, creativity, and entrepreneurship, which are critical drivers of economic growth. In recent years, the Haitian government has recognized the importance of IP in fostering innovation and encouraging investment and has made efforts to improve the IP framework in the country. However, one of Haiti's main challenges in terms of IP is a need for more awareness about the value of IP protection. Many Haitian businesses and individuals are unaware of the benefits of obtaining patents, trademarks, and copyrights and don't understand the importance of protecting their ideas. This can lead to IP violations and make it difficult for innovators to profit from their creations. In addition, the IP office in Haiti has limited resources and capacity, making it difficult to process and grant IP rights in a timely manner. This can discourage innovation and prevent businesses from seeking IP protection in various areas. The protection of literary and artistic works. Like most other branches of activity, the Haitian book and arts industry has so far developed almost exclusively under the impulsion of the private sector. Authors, 
publishers, booksellers, musicians, producers, composers, filmmakers, and painters evolve by their means without any real supervision or support from state institutions. This lack of institutional framework has pushed many Haitian authors to look for opportunities in other countries where they can be recognized and benefit from their writings. Indeed, most Haitian authors are published abroad and win various international literary prizes yearly. This is the case of Danny Laferriere, who became one of the few non-French citizens elected by the esteemed 40-member French Literary Academy in 2013 to take the seat once occupied by such eminent predecessors as Montesquieu and Alexandre Dumas-Fils. Haiti's literary and artistic industry has evolved without strong cultural policies. Left to their own, these branches of activity have yet to be able to make a significant contribution to job creation or the development or economic growth of the country. The Haitian Copyright Office, BHDA, was created in 2005, and a new copyright law was enacted. The Copyright Office is the state body responsible for the protection and promotion of copyright in Haiti. As a collective management organization, the BHDA is accountable for collecting, on behalf of artists, royalties related to the exploitation of their works. The 2005 Copyrights Law states, any reproduction, representation, or distribution, by any means whatsoever, of a work of the mind in violation of the rights of the author defined by law, constitutes an infringement the same law also emphasizes, any violation of a right protected under the decree of October 12, 2005, is punished in accordance with the provisions of the relevant penal code. Despite the sanctions of the law, a parallel market of illegal reproduction of artists' works exists without any action from authorities. The inapplicability of laws is a significant hindrance to this industry because enforcing copyrights and associated rights by the courts and law enforcement institutions are not systematic. To develop efficient copyright protection and a revenue-generating sector for creators, the government's commitment must be unequivocal to promote the emergence of an economy of literature and the arts. This commitment should include appropriate legislative measures to create an environment conducive to investment in this area, raising consumer awareness of the issue and implementing the applicable criminal laws. Strengthening entrepreneurship. Industrial property rights are also a vector of economic development and play an increasingly important role in supporting the development of companies and stimulating innovation and creativity. More than half of the Haitian population turns to various entrepreneurial activities to support themselves and their families, from informal street vendors, SMEs, or the new generation of entrepreneurs made of young tech innovators. There is a need for education in business creation and the protection of ideas. Entrepreneurs sometimes have the economic means or adequate legal information to protect their ideas and add value to their brands. When businesses secure exclusive rights to their inventions or their brands, they acquire negotiating leverage with potential partners, they also more easily gain access to financing. These intellectual property assets enable a business to differentiate itself from competitors and better position itself in a market while fostering client loyalty. As a result, these assets serve as effective tools for growing the company's value and dominating marketplaces. Many startup incubators have been created in the past 10 years in Haiti to educate and consolidate new businesses. However, these self-driven young entrepreneurs with high potential need more support to succeed and contribute to the country's economic growth. Tapping into the growing interest aroused by new technologies, 
A government-led initiative should support the existing private movement to accelerate the growth of a sustainable entrepreneurial environment in Haiti. Updating the current IP laws, establishing accessible, harmonized, and simple processes for IP services, and formalizing business ownership would create a remarkable impact. Industrial property and its strategic dimension for businesses constitute an essential element in this dynamic, therefore, it must be integrated through the development of trademark protection, patents, industrial designs, and models, as well as that relating to creating businesses. Development of agriculture. Beyond the interests of businesses, IP plays a significant role in the growth of rural communities. Being primarily an agricultural nation, Haiti has products whose attributes are derived from the regions in which they are produced, such as rice from artibonite, the Haitian Franciscu mango, and Haitian castor oil. We also have foods such as cassava and clarin, Haitian rum made from sugarcane, whose production processes are based on local expertise. These goods may be protected using the geographical indication, GI, system. Connecting a product's unique qualities and geographical place of production functions as a label and helps the product become well-known even abroad. GIs have a tremendous socio-economic impact on local communities' growth because they draw investment and generate employment by retaining rural production and to prevent against rural migration. The preservation and advancement of traditional knowledge are also made more accessible by this protection mechanism. Recognition of traditional knowledge Traditional knowledge refers to the knowledge, skills, and practices passed down from generation to generation within a community or cultural group. Traditional knowledge can encompass various topics, including agriculture, medicine, crafts, and spirituality. Protection of traditional knowledge raises challenges unlike any other that the field of intellectual property law has had to deal with. Intellectual property legal tools are only sometimes suited to protect traditional knowledge. Many initiatives have emerged to reconcile protection and use of this knowledge rationally while enabling the owners to receive fair retribution. In Haiti, traditional knowledge plays a significant role in the country's cultural identity. Haitian traditional knowledge includes various cultural practices, such as music, dance, storytelling, and traditional medicine. These cultural practices are essential to Haiti's rich cultural heritage and could contribute to the country's economic development through tourism and the sale of traditional crafts. Traditional knowledge from Haiti includes things like 1. Agricultural knowledge. In Haiti, traditional agricultural knowledge involves using natural insecticides, pest control techniques, and organic fertilizers like compost and animal dung. 2. Medical knowledge. Herbs and other natural medicines are used in traditional Haitian medicine to treat various illnesses. 3. Spiritual insight. Haitian Vodou is a traditional religion that incorporates aspects of Catholic and African customs and beliefs. It is a component of Haitian culture and consists of songs, dances, and rituals passed down from generation to generation. 4. Environmental knowledge. Using natural resources, such as plants and animals, for therapeutic and other purposes is part of the traditional Haitian understanding of the environment. It also incorporates more conventional conservation techniques, like terracing, to stop soil erosion. 5. Cultural knowledge. Haitian culture's music, dance, and art traditions are rich and passed down from father to son. 
Compas and rara are two examples of traditional Haitian music. Traditional crafts, including woodcarving, ironwork, and painting, are included in Haitian art. Challenges faced in this area are the need for formal recognition, documentation, and legal protection. Haitian IP law does not explicitly address the preservation of traditional knowledge, and there isn't a standard system for documenting and preserving traditional wisdom, making it difficult to protect and promote these cultural assets. This leaves traditional knowledge vulnerable to exploitation and misuse by outside parties. Conclusion To provide advantageous conditions for investment, innovation, and the promotion of culture, the Haitian government must incorporate the protection of intellectual property rights into its development plans. Intellectual property is crucial in driving economic growth through its impact on trade, employment, and foreign investment. Robust IP systems can foster creativity and encourage the development of new technologies and industries, leading to increased productivity, competitiveness, and prosperity. Page 33. Advertisement. Abdul Razak and Associates. Your IP experts in Haiti. 19, Rue Moise, Petionville, Haiti. Telephone. 509-3819-9200 or email vanessa at cabinetabdelrazak.com Page 34 Advertisement Client-focused Solutions-oriented Innovative Mastering Law's New Frontier Foga Daily's pioneering founders are women of excellence in IP, who have built a dynamic team to expeditiously resolve even your most complex issues. Trademarks, copyright, patents and designs. Foga Daily founders, Diane Daly and Nicole Foga finesse their handling of complex intellectual property issues as they welcome rising star Rachel to their partnership. Email, info at fogadaily.com. Website, www.fogadaily.com. Address, 7 Stanton Terrace, Kingston 6, Jamaica. Tell 876-927-4371-5. Fax 876-927-5081. Page 35. Jamaica, Profiles and Article. Name, Diane Daly McClure. Law firm, Foga Daly. Country, Jamaica. Position, Founding Partner. Website, www.fogadaily.com. Diane Daly McClure is a founding partner of Foga Daily, established in 2000. She heads the firm's intellectual property, IP, department and handles complex IP, trademark, design and patent prosecution, IP portfolio management, copyright licensing, media, entertainment and sports contracts. She has a Bachelor of Laws degree with honors from the University of the West Indies, UWI, and a master's degree in comparative law specializing in IP and international copyright from McGill University, where she attended as a Canadian International Development Agency, CEDA, scholar. Diane was called to the Jamaican Bar in 1990 and has over 27 years of IP law and practice experience. Her first job in the field was as legal director and head of Jamaica's Copyright Office in 1995 where she advised the government on IP policy and legislation and represented Jamaica as an IP expert at the World Intellectual Property Organization, 
WIPO, UNESCO, and other forums. Diane participated in the negotiations of the WIPO Internet Treaties adopted in 1996 and later coordinated the establishment of the Jamaica Intellectual Property Office, JIPO, and became acting chairman of the JIPO Advisory Board. Diane is also a WIPO tutor and teaches patent law and copyright law as an adjunct lecturer at the Faculty of Law, UWI, and the Entertainment Law Undergraduate Course at UWI Mona. She is chairman of the Cayman Islands, Copyright, Designs and, Trademark, Appeals Tribunal and has been chairman of the Intellectual Property Committee of the Jamaican Bar Association for several years. Her other professional memberships include the International Trademark Association, INTA. The Global Advertising Lawyers Alliance, GALA. The AEA International Lawyers Network, AEA. Justinian Lawyers. The Intellectual Property Caribbean Association, IPCA. Diane has been an active member of INTA from 2002 and a contributor to the INTA International Opposition's Guide since 2003. She is currently a member of the INTA Global Advisory Council for Latin American and the Caribbean, GAC LATAM, and the Non-Traditional Marks Committee. Diane has also served the INTA Public Resources Committee, INTA Related Rights Committee, the Geographical Indications Committee, and the Copyright Committee. She serves the following copyright management organizations in the capacity as Chairman, Caribbean Reprographic Rights Organizations Agency, Carosa, and the Jamaican Copyright Licensing Agency, Jamcopy, and the Jamaica Music Society, JAMMS, as the company secretary. Diane has authored several publications on IP, including Jamaica Intellectual Property, International Encyclopedia of Laws, Clua Law International, 2008, Intellectual Property, Supple. 47, September 2008, Monograph Jamaica chapter published in Copyright Throughout the World, edited by Professor Silke von Lewinsky, West, updated 2018. Shades of Grey, uncovering the century-old imperial imprint on Jamaica's modern copyright act, published in A Shifting Empire, 100 Years of the Copyright Act 1911 edited by Isolde Gendro and Uma Sothersanen, Edward Elgar, 2013, pp. 168-203. Canada's Treatment of Geographical Indications, Compliant or Defiant, published in an Emerging Intellectual Property Paradigm, Perspectives from Canada, edited by Isolde Gendro, Edward Elgar, 2008, pp. 35-66. Her previous appointments include Consultant for the Commonwealth Secretariat and the UK Commission on IP Rights, Deputy Chairman. Jamaica's Copyright Tribunal, and Special Ministerial Advisor on IP. Page 36. Article. Jamaica's New Intellectual Property Makeover. Written by Diane Daly McClure, founding partner at Foga Daly, Jamaica. Intellectual property, IP, practitioners in Jamaica have arguably witnessed more significant changes in the IP legal landscape in the last two years than they have two decades prior. 2020 heralded a new law on patents and designs, with the Patents and Designs Act being the first law to be enacted in Jamaica that year. It was not until two years later, on February 11, 2022, that the Patents and Designs Act came into effect, making monumental changes to the laws. 
In the area of trademarks, significant amendments came into effect on June 30, 2021, through the Trademarks Amendment Act which has imposed new conditions of protection and made way for Jamaica's implementation of the Madrid Protocol for the International Registration of Marks, the Protocol. In this article, I will provide a rundown of the major changes in patents, designs, and trademark protection, respectively. Patent Updates The New Law the Patents and Designs Act No. 1 of 2020 came into effect on February 11, 2022, the new law, completely overhauling the systems that prevailed under the Patent Act of 1857 and the Designs Act of 1937, the old laws, and repealing those laws in its wake. Jamaica also acceded to the Patent Cooperation Treaty, PCT, on November 10, 2021 which came into effect on February 10, 2022. The new law has modernized the patent system by raising the criteria of protection to international standards and implementing the WTO TRIPS agreement's provisions on patents and designs, as well as the PCT. Here are a few noteworthy changes. Criteria for protection. Under the new law, patents are available for inventions in all fields of technology provided they are new involve an inventive step and are capable of industrial application and do not fall within the excluded subject matter. Novelty. Under the new law, absolute novelty is required, not local novelty as obtained under the old law. The invention must not have been made available to the public anywhere in the world, whether by means of written or oral description use or any other means, prior to the filing priority date. There is a grace period of 12 months, within which certain disclosures will not erode the novelty of the invention. Excluded subject matter. The new law expressly excludes computer programs and business methods from patentability. However, it is still possible to protect inventions with these components if they comprise a technical solution to a technical problem. Other subject matters on the exclusions list include plants and animals other than microorganisms, Essential biological processes for the production of plants or animals, other than non-biological and microbiological processes. Plant and seed varieties. The human body. Methods of surgical or therapeutic treatment and diagnosis applied to human beings or animals. Schemes, rules or methods for playing games. The presentation of information. A discovery, scientific theory or mathematical method. Inventions which, if implemented, would be contrary to public order or morality, cause serious prejudice to the environment, or cause injury to human, animal or plant life or health. Inventions by employees. The old law was silent on entitlements in inventions made by employees in the course of their employment. However, the new law outlines circumstances wherein employees would either own their inventions outright or be entitled to compensation in respect of the inventions they create for their employers. Where an invention is made in the course of the employee's normal duties or the course of specifically assigned duties, the law is clear that the employer would own it, but only where the invention might reasonably be expected to result from the carrying out of the duties. Additionally, if the invention was made in the course of the duties of the employee and, at the time of making the invention, because of the nature of his duties and responsibilities, he had a special obligation to further the interests of the employer's undertaking, ownership would be vested in the employer. 
Outside of those specific circumstances, an invention made by an employee would belong to the employee. Term of protection and annuities. Under the new law, patent protection lasts for 20 years. No renewal provision and annuities are payable to maintain the grant. The fee is payable from the grant of a patent on each successive anniversary of the filing date. If the annual fee is not paid up to 90 days after every anniversary, the patent will have no effect. There is an additional 90-day grace period within which the patent can be restored by payment of the annuity and a late fee. Paris Convention and Priority Claims The new law allows for priority claims under the Paris Convention, which were not recognized under the old law. It is possible to claim priority based on an application which was filed in another Paris Convention or WTO member state up to 12 months prior to the date of filing in Jamaica. If Jamaica is the country of first filing, the applicant can claim priority in other Paris Convention countries within 12 months of the Jamaican filing date. Patent Cooperation Treaty, PCT, Applications With Jamaica's accession to PCT as of February 11, 2022, it is possible to file an international application under the PCT designating Jamaica. Utility Models A new feature of the new law is the protection of utility models. Inventors can now obtain utility model protection for new inventions capable of industrial application. Utility model applications are not subject to substantive examination as required for patents. The applicant may convert a patent application into a utility model application at any time before the grant or refusal of a patent. Similarly, the applicant may convert a utility model application into a patent application. A utility model certificate lasts for 10 years from the date of filing, and protected utility models are not subject to annuities. Transitional the Patent Act of 1857 continues to govern all applications filed and granted under that law, and the patent rules also continue to apply except where they are inconsistent with the new law. Designs Update Industrial designs are now protected at the standard outlined by the WTO TRIPS Agreement and the Paris Convention. The Huck Agreement concerning the International Registration of Designs, 1999 Act and 1960 Act and the Locarno Agreement establishing an international classification for industrial designs, 1968, also apply. New eligibility criteria. Under the new law, absolute novelty is required, and a design must have individual character. Duration of design protection. Designs are protected for five years and renewable for two consecutive five-year periods, while under the old law designs were protected for 15 years non-renewable. Exclusions Consistent with the government's policy to protect and safeguard its national brand, Brand Jamaica, from appropriation and improper use, designs which involve the use of a representation of the coat of arms of Jamaica, the national flag of Jamaica, armorial bearings, official signs or hallmarks, or other national symbol or emblems and the like, are now excluded from protection unless the government grants consent. Similarly, designs which use the country name of Jamaica or abbreviations or homonyms thereof, the map of Jamaica or the national colors of Jamaica, in a misleading manner are not afforded design protection. These exclusions also apply to emblems, colors, maps, and names of other countries. 
Designs which make use of the traditional knowledge or traditional cultural expressions of indigenous or local communities without authorization from the relevant community or otherwise misleading uses are also excluded. Interestingly, although there is no statutory image right per se, the new law stipulates that designs that use an individual's image or likeness without consent will not be registered. Further, designs which use third-party copyright or trademarks, registered or unregistered, without consent will not be protected under the new law. Priority claims and international applications. As the new law implements the Paris Convention, where the Jamaican design application is filed within six months of the first filing date, priority claims can be made. The new law also implements the Hague Agreement and provides for the filing of an international application under that agreement. Transitional. The Designs Act of 1937 continues to govern all applications filed and granted under that law. The Designs Rules apply even to new design applications under the new law insofar as they are consistent with the new law. Trademark Updates New Conditions of Protection The Trademarks, Amendment, Act 2021 gives the Registrar power to impose conditions or limitations on trademarks containing country names, maps, colours, emblems, and symbols. Trademarks containing the Jamaican coat of arms, flag, emblems, and other national symbols are unregisterable without the consent of the Government of Jamaica. This aligns with the Government of Jamaica's policy to protect brand Jamaica from appropriation and improper use. Similarly, in an effort to safeguard Jamaica's traditional knowledge, the amended law renders unregisterable trademarks which misrepresent or misappropriate the traditional knowledge or traditional cultural expressions of indigenous or local communities in Jamaica. Madrid Protocol Accession After decades of national consultations and consequent on the passage of the Trademarks, Amendment, Act, Jamaica acceded to the Madrid Protocol for the International Registration of Marks, the Protocol, on December 27, 2021 six months after the 2021 Act came into effect. The protocol took effect on March 27, 2022. Since then, hundreds of foreign-based proprietors have been opting to designate Jamaica in their international applications, taking advantage of the relatively modest individual fees, 188 Swiss francs for one class of goods or services and 25 Swiss francs for each additional class and 304 Swiss francs for collective and certification marks. Prior to accession, it was unclear to what extent local proprietors would utilize the protocol and questions were raised as regards whether incoming international filings would put a strain on the national trademark system. While these remain largely unanswered, local proprietors have not been rushing to file international applications, and the incoming international applications have yet to be published in Jamaica, fueling speculation that the increased delays being experienced by trademark practitioners in the processing of national applications may be at least partly attributable to the influx of international filings. The Jamaica Intellectual Property Office has 18 months from the date of filing to refuse or grant an international registration. The following eight, eight, months, which would mark 18 months since the implementation of the protocol, should paint a clearer picture of how well JIPO has been managing the new regime. Page 39. Profile. Name, Nicole Foger. Law firm, Foger Daily. Country, Jamaica. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.fogerdaily.com.
Nicole Foger is the managing partner of Foger Daily and heads the firm's commercial department. Her practice areas include information and communication technology law, data protection and privacy law, intellectual property, mergers and acquisitions, and environmental. Ms. Foger holds an LLM in commercial law, Aberdeen University, LLB, University of the West Indies, UWI, and a BA, First Class Honours. UWI. Ms. Foger chairs the Telecommunications, Broadcasting, and Technology Committee, TBTC, of the Jamaican Bar Association, Jambar, is chairman of the University of Technology Pension Fund, a vice-chairman of Jamaica's Copyright Tribunal and member of the Legal and Enforcement Subcommittee of Jamaica's National Environment and Planning Agency. She is an associate member of the American Bar Association and the International Trademark Association, INTA, and chairs the INTA Data Protection Best Practices Subcommittee. She is also a member of the ITEC Law Association, the Society for Computers, and the Law and the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Ms. Foger is a director and the company secretary for both the Usain Bolt Foundation, as well as Kingston Properties Limited, which is a publicly traded real estate investment trust. She served as director and secretary of the Environmental Foundation of Jamaica for six years and was a member of the International Committee of the Council on Foundations in the USA for four years. Previous appointments include the first general counsel in the Office of Utilities Regulation, legal advisor to the Broadcasting Commission, and Crown Counsel in the Attorney General's Department. She has represented Jamaica at various international and regional conferences on telecommunications and intellectual property and was the chairman of the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, Caribbean Regional Committee on Electronic Commerce and Intellectual Property. Ms. Foger is a tutor in entertainment law at the Faculty of Law, Mona Campus, UWI, has been a featured speaker on digital law issues, including cybersecurity, professional standards in the use of technology, and data privacy and protection. In 2020 she moderated two Jamba Continuing Legal Education webinars, November, screened out. Lawyers need time to think, and July, data processing standards for lawyers. Ms. Foga has authored ICT Law in Jamaica, 2022 and Cyber Law in Jamaica, 2012, both Walters Kluwer publications. She also co-authored with Diane Daly IP Rights and Caribbean ICT Industries, The Case for Reform, published in Ringtones of Opportunity, 2012. In May 2020, Ms. Foga was appointed Honorary Consul for the Republic of Romania in Jamaica. Page 40. Profile. Name, Rachel Lodge Corey. Law firm, Foga Daily. Country, Jamaica. Position, Partner. Website, www.fogadaily.com. Rachel Lodge Corey LLB. Hans, is Foga Daily's newest partner and a member of the firm's intellectual property and commercial departments. She has a Bachelor of Laws degree with honours from the University of the West Indies and a Legal Education Certificate from the Norman Manley Law School. She started working with the firm in 2015 as an intern and became an associate in 2016 upon being called to the Jamaican Bar. Rachel joined the partnership in 2021 and has distinguished herself in intellectual property, 
data protection, and commercial law and has gained special recognition as a young practitioner in the international trademark community. As a partner, Rachel focuses on complex trademark matters, including non-routine applications, responding to office actions, opposition and revocation proceedings and trademark portfolio management. Other practice areas include patent prosecution, entertainment, media and advertising law and copyright law. In the commercial department, she handles corporate matters, including company formation and statutory compliance. She is an active member of the Jamaican Bar Associations, Jambar, Telecommunications, Broadcasting and Technology Subcommittee and the Intellectual Property Subcommittee. She is an associate member of the International Trademark Association, INTA, and serves as co-chair of INTA's Young Practitioners Awards and Fellowship Subcommittee. Rachel is a member of the 2023 editorial board for the Trademark Lawyer magazine and is also a member of the Women's IP Today Steering Committee, a non-profit organization advancing the interests and rights of women in the workplace globally. Rachel tutors entertainment law at the Faculty of Law at the University of the West Indies. She has been a featured speaker on numerous intellectual property issues and data protection laws for Jambar, the Jamaica Chamber of Commerce and various tertiary education institutions. She has certificates from the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, for participating in WIPO's Intellectual Property Summer School in Jamaica and completing WIPO's General Course on Intellectual Property and Advanced Courses on the Patent Cooperation Treaty and the Madrid Protocol. Rachel has also received certificates of participation for successfully completing patent training through the TBT Programme and Jamaica Intellectual Property Office, JIPO, and the WIPO Subregional Patent Drafting Course. Page 41. St. Lucia, Profile and Article. Name, Natalie E. G. Augustine, Esquire. Law firm, Glitzenhern Augustine and Company. Country, St. Lucia. Position, Legal Practitioner. Website, www.stluciafinance.com forward slash glitz. Natalie Glitzenhern Augustine is a UK-born, German and Caribbean-raised graduate of the University of Warwick, BA Honours. In international studies with German, and the University of West London, common professional examination in law and bar finals, who founded the law firm Glitzenhern Augustine and Company. Glitzlaw, and its affiliated firm of registered agents Financial and Corporate Services Limited. Finco's, in 2000 in St. Lucia. With more than 26 years of practice in the legal arena, Natalie is a barrister admitted to the Inns of Court at Middle Temple in London and heads the corporate and commercial departments of Glitzlaw, a general civil law practice with an emphasis on intellectual property matters, trademark, industrial design and patent registrations, company incorporations and administrations, tax structuring, conveyancing and mergers and acquisitions. In tandem with this, she directs the affairs of Finco's, a duly licensed entity in the SD. Lucian International Financial Services Arena, specializing in the establishment of international business companies, IBCs, as well as procuring and managing licenses for regulated entities such as international banks and insurance companies. A member of INTA and IPCA and an attendee at Marques, she has, over the years, carved out a niche in the local St. Lucian IP sector, 
honing and improving her skills through attendance at workshops and conferences and supporting her clients when trademark applications give rise to oppositions and conflict negotiations or when litigation becomes necessary, generally culminating in mutually satisfactory resolves or outright successes. Over the years, with the efforts and support of her eager and competent in-house IP team, and as a result of the confidence placed in her by regional and international service providers and end-users of the sector, Natalie has grown Glitzlaw's IP portfolio from a small initial collection of local and connected clients to an impressive multinational client base. Wearing her professional hat, Natalie, additionally a notary royal, serves and has served on the board of directors of local and regional entities such as the St. Lucia National Development Corporation and Mayberry Jamaican Equities Limited. Always keen to be of service, she gives and has given of her time to the SD. Lucia Bar Association as well as being the immediate past chairperson and founding member of both the local branch of STEP, formerly the Society of Trust and Estate Practitioners, and the International Financial Services Association of SD. Lucia. Regionally she is the vice chair of the STEP Caribbean and Latin American Regional Committee. Fluent in German, with a comprehension of Spanish, in her spare time, Natalie enjoys hiking, traveling, arts and crafts, that's collecting, not creating, and entertaining. Page 42. Article. Am I worthy of protection? Written by Natalie E. Glitzen and Augustine, legal practitioner at Glitz Law, St. Lucia. In 2016 the World Economic Forum using data from the International Labour Organization, ILO, ranked St. Lucia number 3 in the world for having more female professionals than males, with a 38% to 62% ratio. This number has tipped even more in favor of women over the years. It follows through all professions, including the legal, where locally the term petticoat bar was coined, as at one time female lawyers outnumbered their male counterparts in the fraternity as registrars, practicing members of the utter bar, in the magistracy and on the high court bench. So, having deduced that I am 62% better placed to pen this article than my male St. Lucian counterparts, what now follows is gospel and not subject to appeal. As a female practitioner in the IP sector in St. Lucia, and following a glance at our firm's IP client database as well as at the information gathered over the past 23 years, what was immediately apparent is that although there are more female lawyers in St. Lucia, who like me, have a subspecialism in intellectual property law and assist local, regional and international inventors and creatives to patent, copyright or trademark and thus protect their designs and inventions, only a mere handful of the manuscripts, designs, trademarks or other submissions of intellectual property for protection have come from women. Why was that, I now wonder? Are women less inventive and creative than men? The statistics from the Women's Institute for Policy Research show that over the past 40 years, five times more women have registered patents in the United States than prior to then. Yet, we still only make up about 7% of patent holders. Or are we perhaps just not as interested in or astute at protecting our ideas and conclusions? Some introflection was in order. When I started my practice in 2000, coming up with a unique name was a no-brainer. Ancestry. Com has only 13 records under the Glitzenhern family name. So that part was settled. There was no need, therefore, to think of any fancy name for the firm. 
What I was given to use many years back stood out all by itself. Now for a logo, a symbol with which persons over time would identify my firm and which should, if any of those other twelve carriers of the glitz and her name out there coincidentally also be in the legal profession, differentiate me from them. As a child, I used to challenge myself with being able to recognize a logo and associate the company, from car emblems to food chains, not truly understanding the significance or relevance of the same, but they always caught my attention. It was just a game to while away the time. So off to Shelley and Harding, my much-admired and appreciated graphic designer, I trotted. After a consultation or two, she went to work her magic and, within no time, came back with the winning design. Much thought went into it, and I am quite surprised that I have only been asked to explain it a few times over the years. So now that I know that you have just taken another look, here is a brief description, starting with the triangle, if you turn it on its side, a creative mind will see the G in Glitzenhorn, turn it back as depicted, and it represents the A in Augustine, and finally, if you remove the peaks of the triangle, you are left with the zodiac symbol for Libra Libra with solid fill, which is also at times depicted as a legal scale. Such brilliance. She deserves accolades, at least an OBE or similar, for creativity. Maybe I should have a word with that committee. But let me not digress. At that point, it was still her creation and depending upon the terms of our arrangement, until I paid her for the same, the rights to use this logo remained with her. Understanding the implications, I swiftly made the final payment allowing me to claim ownership of this intriguing creation and assume full rights of the user to and over the same. With name and logo in hand, I selected paper and card stock and set off for the printers, and in two beats, there I was, with a first batch of letterheads and business cards, remember this is back in 2000, so there was no tap and drop back then, in hand, ready to conquer the legal profession. Wow. I really just started my own firm. 23 years later, I am using a slightly shortened name, Glitz Law, and having given no further thought to those other Glitzenhorns out there, I am content with the growing recognition of my firm's name over the years and am thus unperturbed about imposters. But what about my logo? Could there perhaps be someone who liked the look of Shelley's triangular creation and, without permission, has been using it for their own business? What did I do to safeguard myself and avoid such a possibility? Nothing. I did nothing, even though, as one of the 62 percenters, I am fully aware of the consequences of the non-protection of a mark. Is this perhaps what many other female owners of trademarks and inventions have and are doing by way of protecting their rights? Nothing? Is the messaging about the significance of IP, not one which encompasses both males and females? Are females perhaps simply more trusting, believing that no one would be mean or crafty enough to use what's not theirs without permission? Do women not value their creations as much as men? Why did this 62% and not give to herself and take the advice she provides to others? Is my mark not worth protecting? The process is so simple, and I have all of the tools at my fingertips. I simply need to select and authorize an agent, I wonder whether I can engage Glitz Law complete and sign the trademark application form, provide seven copies of my logo, describe it as I did above and then file with the Registry of Companies and Intellectual Property, Rossip, in St. Lucia, and yet I still have not done that. And what about the fact that I undertake work regionally and internationally? 
Should I extend my protection outside of the island? Do I believe my mark to be that worthy? I know 38% of my fellow professionals, that's the men, if you remember, would. So, what is the cause of my hesitancy, I ask myself. About four years ago, WIPO, the World Intellectual Property Organization, saw the need to make the theme for World IP Day on the 26th of April powering change, women in innovation and creativity. They also recognized that women were less likely to celebrate their role in shaping society, so they needed a special push for self-recognition. With the protection of intellectual property, which is essential for world economic growth, being enshrined in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, it was hoped that many more female leaders in innovation, design, science and technology or holders of interests which give rise to the growth of civic society will recognize the importance of their intellect and see it as being worth showcasing and protecting in the same manner in which their male counterparts do theirs. It is time, therefore, to spearhead a targeted educational campaign focused on women, from innovators in cottage industries and services to groundbreaking female scientists, encouraging each to value their creation or idea, recognize its novelty and protect all of the rights and deserved accolades ensuing therefrom, for the benefit of us all. I will therefore be marching myself down to Rossip, and in the not-too-distant future, well, in about six to eight months for the entire process here in St. Lucia, will be able to place that hotly desired next to my Glitz Law mark, as a sign to all that this firm is protected, to be respected and fully aware of its capability and value. Page 45. Advertisement. Trademarks. Copyright. PCT National Applications. Patents. Oppositions. Searches. Assignments. Renewals. Intellectual property, corporate and commercial law, conveyancing company formation and administration, mergers and acquisitions, wills and trusts, probate and succession. Glitz Law, Attorneys at Law. Full-service civil law firm, St. Lucia's IP experts. www.stluciafinance.com Email, natalie.augustine at glitz-law.com Suite number 1, first floor, Bourbon House, Bourbon Street, P.O. Box 1695, Castries, LC0 for St. Lucia. Page 47. South America. Colombia, Profile and Article. Name, Claudette Vernet. Law Firm, Estrategia Juridica. Country, Colombia. Position, Director and Attorney at Law. Website, www.estrategiajuridical.company. After receiving her degree in law from Universidad Externado de Colombia, Claudette Vernet was awarded a postgraduate diploma by the University Pantheon Assas in Paris. In 1998, she founded the law firm Estrategia Juridica in Bogotá, and in 1999 she led and pioneered criminal actions against trademark infringers in industrial property for Levi's, Oakley, and Microsoft. Claudette Vernet was the first to introduce vital brand protection programs and brand training in Colombia when no one had previously thought about it and motivated various industries to venture into these educational programs. From 2000 to 2016, she led criminal actions in significant cases for the brands Adidas and Nike, among others. 
she was chosen to create an innovative trademark protection architecture program for companies like Hewlett-Packard in Latin America through its security consultant Pica Corporation based in the United States of America. This allowed the company to recover its market niche in Latin American countries with a global brand protection strategy. She advises multinational companies on brand protection programs and compliance with intellectual property rights. She also supports them in strategies to expand markets by offering solutions to combat smuggling and counterfeiting. New actions, such as customs border measures and consumer law, were part of the new strategies for brand holders. She currently leads a legal team to accompany her clients as business partners, to whom she provides effective answers and solutions for the defense of their intellectual property portfolio. Currently, she is the chair of the INTA Anti-Counterfeiting Committee for the 2022-2023 term. Moreover, she belongs to the following associations, the Colombian Association of Intellectual Property, ACPI, the Caribbean Intellectual Property Association, IPCA, the Inter-American Intellectual Property Association, ASAPI, and the Association of Trademark Law Specialists, APRAM, dedicated to the defense of intellectual property. She is a partner for REACT, Colombia, a not-for-profit organization with over 30 years of experience with 315 business members covering all industry sectors. She assists REACT with her legal team in Colombia in finding innovative solutions to illegal trade issues. One of the current projects that she is passionate about is the recent involvement of her law firm as a project partner in the PMI Impact Project. This is the third round of working very closely with Stratego's BIP to find regional strategies to reduce the illicit cigarette trade in Latin America and the Caribbean, specifically seeking projects aimed at reducing, preventing, and counteracting the negative consequences of the illicit trade in the states and individuals, families, and communities. Based in Colombia, this project has direct repercussions in Ecuador and Panama and influences the Dominican Republic, Aruba, Curacao, and Mexico. Working with law enforcement, different agencies, and outside legal councils in Ecuador, Panama, and Colombia will benefit the various governments and industries. Claudette believes that crime does not recognize frontiers and that working together with other countries is the only way to attack illegal trade. Practice areas, brand protection, criminal and civil law. Trademarks, consumer law and data protection. Languages, Spanish, English, French, and Italian. Page 48. Article. Challenges become opportunities. Claudette Vernet, chair of the INTA Anti-Counterfeiting Committee, interviews three IP women experts and members of INTA, their challenges become opportunities, and they are the best example of successful multitasking women. Claudette Vernet is director and attorney at law at Estrategia Juridica. Colombia. Greetings to the readers of this magazine. I am Claudette Vernet, and since 1998 I have worked on creating brand protection programs and supported industrial property rights owners in Colombia. I am currently the chair of the Anti-Piracy Committee at INTA. My volunteer work during the last 20 years at INTA has allowed me to interact with professionals who work in activities directly or indirectly related to intellectual property in an international setting. This year, I have decided not to write about my legal practice. Instead, I have invited three women I greatly admire to interview them briefly. 
Each of them has a different background that makes them shine and stand out in the intellectual property industry. The three of them are mothers and wives, so in addition to having important corporate positions, they have managed to support and guide their families in an admirable way. They all work in the pharmaceutical industry and will share some of their experiences with us. Let's start with Cynthia Merchant, Novartis Global Security Investigator and Associate Director responsible for investigating pharmaceutical-related fraud and high-risk allegations of policy violations and or criminal wrongdoing. You worked for many years in the tobacco industry, and then you went to work in pharmaceuticals. Tell me about that change and what new obstacles you had to face. Working in the tobacco industry for 10 years was challenging, rewarding, and educational. I was able to apply everything I had learned in tobacco to the pharmaceutical sector. There are a lot of similarities between the two industries but a much stronger negative bias towards tobacco. So, I had to overcome the stigma and win the stakeholders' trust. What recommendation would you give a leader person just starting in the pharmaceutical sector? Find a mentor. Build your internal and external networks, and never underestimate the importance of stakeholder engagement. Listen, learn, and don't be afraid to request assistance. You don't need to know everything, but you should know where or who to go to for assistance or answers. As a former chair of the Latin American Anti-Piracy Committee, what do you recommend to motivate young leaders? Spend time getting to know the people you work with and discover their strengths. As I experienced early in my career, I aim to provide them with opportunities to expand upon those strengths, so they become subject matter experts. Recognize them often and celebrate the small and big wins. Now, we will speak with Marian Buraluludi, Director of the Trademarks and Fight Against Falsification Department at Servia. I know you worked for many years alongside a great leader who was an excellent example of female leadership. However, we all know that each individual adds their own particular touch to their work. Life presents us with certain challenges. So, tell us, what challenges did you face, and how did you manage to take on that great leadership? When I joined the pharmaceutical industry and, more precisely, Les Laboratoires Servia, six years ago, I had the chance and the honor to work closely with Catherine Boudot, the former trademarks and fight against falsification director who has, since then, left on a well-deserved retirement. She has been a role model and mentor. My biggest challenge was obviously to fill her shoes. But it was, at the same time, a great opportunity and recognition of the hard work I have put in. So, I did my best to trace my own way. I've had a lot of new projects to handle with my incredible team, including the change of our trademarks database and the implementation of a new authenticating tool on our products, which have both been very successful. I was also honored to be appointed with new responsibilities within INTA, as I am chair of the Western Europe Anti-Counterfeiting Subcommittee, co-chair of the Europe General Advisory Council and more recently, a member of the Board of Directors. You are currently the chair of the Anti-Piracy Committee for the Jurisdiction of Western Europe. What do you consider is the best experience you have had, and what have you learned? My best experiences are undeniably all the projects that we have accomplished collectively as a group. We have been able to submit an important number of contributions to the European Commission on different important topics, such as the EU Observatory Work Plan 2023, the EU Observatory Impact, 
European Multidisciplinary Platform Against Criminal Threats, Operational Action Plans for 2023 or the EU Toolbox Against Counterfeiting. We have also organized two policy dialogues between the private and public sectors and online platforms. Several pieces of training for EU customs have also taken place. I have learned that there are two factors for successful projects, people joining forces and being willing to collaborate and a great leader leading the way. And last but not least, Mesa Razavi is Moderna's Director of Brand Protection and Supply Chain Security. Mesa leads Moderna's global anti-falsified medicines program and enforces the brand online and offline. Mesa was the former global anti-counterfeiting manager at the International Trademark Association, INTA. You are indeed someone who knows the most about INTA's work, and you acquired a great deal of experience at the association. What were the most important lessons, and how can you apply them to your job at Moderna? The many lessons I have learned at INTA from across industries in the anti-counterfeiting space have been invaluable for my work at Moderna. I now have a network of passionate and poised leaders from across the world who I can call on to help find solutions when I meet any challenge in building a brand protection program. What has been the biggest challenge for you as a woman and leader working in the pharmaceutical industry? Combating the illicit trade of pharmaceutical products traditionally falls into the security function. Many of these colleagues are former law enforcement officials, which is traditionally a male-dominated field and close-knit group. At first blush, this can be intimidating, but I have been welcomed by this camaraderie. My distinctive characteristics and unique perspective are an advantage as a leader in this space. I also have many exceptional women to support me, including Cynthia and Mariam. Moderna also empowers women as leaders, evidenced by the fact that the majority of our security team's leadership is female. Page 51. Advertisement. Brand protection and enforcement in Colombia. Corporate and commercial law, intellectual property law, criminal law, customs and border measures, competition law and litigation. Protecting your trademark in Colombia. Bogota, DC, Colombia. Telephone, 571-638-1071. Email, estrategia at estrategiajuridica.company. Carrera 13, No. 90-17-110221. www.estrategiajuridica.company. Page 52. Europe Profiles and Articles Segment. Page 53. Switzerland Profile and Articles. Appropriate Trademark Protection in the Virtual World. Written by Ursula in Alban, partner at Troller Hits Troller, Switzerland. The metaverse, as the new digital world, is gaining immense importance for businesses since retail will grow into one of the largest sectors in it. It will become a new market for products and services and the impact on the business's marketing and branding will be immense. Many questions have already arisen around intellectual property rights in the digital world, including trademark rights. We have to follow the judicial practice regarding the metaverse topic to understand how we may advise our clients to protect and defend their IP rights in the best possible way. Non-fungible tokens, NFTs, are required to enter the metaverse. 
Since the NFTs contain the relevant digital content of the assets, the creation and marketing of NFTs and their content may infringe the IP rights of a right holder. What is a non-fungible token, NFT? Anything can be turned into an NFT through digitization. An NFT is minted, tech-speak for created, as a representation of digital or non-digital assets. These include digital art, pictures, music, videos, etc., and real-world items, physical art, shoes, cars, tickets to events, etc. Digitization includes the rights and obligations as well as the transferability related to the asset. But also other information is digitized. For example, in the case of artwork, it can be the file's name, the thumbnail image, the creation date of a work and who the author is. To enable such digitization, NFTs are created via one or more smart contracts on a decentralized distributed ledger technology, DLT, network. Blockchain is a well-known example of such a technology. The tokenization of assets is one of the most heralded uses of blockchain technology. The most common type of an NFT is a metadata file that contains encoded information about the asset, it is not the asset itself, but the information about it. Thus, an NFT is a piece of code that is written into the blockchain. The code contains various bits of information, some are optional, and some must be present. There are two core elements of an NFT that must be present, the token ID and the contact address. The token ID is generated through the creation of the NFT. The contact address is the blockchain address that can be seen by a blockchain scanner everywhere in the world. Combining these two elements makes the NFT unique and not interchangeable, as only one token exists with the same combination. It is important to know that in most cases, when an NFT is purchased, the metadata associated with the asset is bought, not the asset itself. Hermes International, et al. Versus. Mason Rothschild. Trial was set for January 30, 2023. In November 2021, the digital artist Mason Rothschild created and sold on OpenSea 100 NFTs called Metabirkins and linked them to a depiction of a virtual Hermes Birkin handbag. He also registered the domain name www.metabirkin.com and promoted the sale on social media using at Metabirkins. By January 2022, Rothschild had sold Metabirkin NFTs in excess of 1 million US dollars. January 2022, Hermes sued Rothschild in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York for trademark infringement and dilution, misappropriation of its Birkin trademark, cybersquatting, false designation of origin and description and injury to business reputation. Furthermore, Hermes was seeking monetary damages, including the profits Rothschild made in selling the NFTs and its injunctive relief to bar him from further using its trademarks. Hermes has also requested that Rothschild deliver up the Metabirkin NFTs for destruction. The difficulty Herbie is that the NFTs exist on the blockchain and can't be destroyed or amended easily. Rothschild moved for the dismissal of all claims with the main argument that his Metabirkin works are artistic expressions and the use of Metabirkin is artistically relevant and is not misleading. In the letter to Hermes, which Rothschild posted to the Metabirkin's Instagram account, he stated, I am not creating or selling Birkin bags. I've made artworks that depict imaginary, 
fur-covered Birkin bags. Under U.S. law, the right to free speech in connection with titles of artistic works would usually bar any claim of trademark infringement unless the use of the mark either had no artistic relevance to the work or, while artistically relevant, the use was expressly misleading as to the source of the works. Rothschild's motion was denied in the first decision issued on May 18, 2022. In summary, the court held that the Meta-Birkin images are artistic works even though they are linked to NFTs, which are simply codes containing information about the image, and this does not make the image a commodity without legal protection. In this decision, the court found that Hermes had alleged sufficient facts to claim that the use of Meta-Birkin through Rothschild was not artistically relevant to the works and, in addition, misleading as a source of sponsorship or affiliation. The case was decided in January 2023 by a jury that ultimately returned its verdict in favor of Hermes. Rothschild was held liable on the claims for trademark infringement, dilution, and cybersquatting. But it seems it is not entirely clear which of the two grounds was decisive, i.e. If the Metaburkin NFTs were already found to lack artistic relevance or whether the use was considered to explicitly mislead consumers. However, the matter was handled like real-world fakes. Therefore, the metaverse may not open too much room to launch their own versions of the brand owner's products provoking disputes in the field of trademark and unfair competition law. Juventus Football Club S.P.A. Versus. Blockeras S.R.L. Court of Rome, July 19, 2022. The Court of Rome issued, on July 19, 2022, the first European decision on NFTs related to trademark law. Juventus Football Club S.P.A. was granted a preliminary injunction in joining Blockeras S.R.L. from producing, marketing, promoting, or selling its non-fungible tokens, NFTs, bearing Juventus trademarks. The preliminary injunction order was recently finalized in lieu of an appeal. Blockeras launched its NFT project, Coin of Champions, where digital football player cards were offered for sale. The project included a card of Christian Vieri, a famous football player, wearing a Juventus jersey and showing the Juventus trademarks. In a commercial agreement, Blockeras obtained consent from Vieri for the use of the image but dismissed to obtain the consent of Juventus regarding the trademark use. A motion for preliminary injunction was filed by Juventus, claiming infringement of trademark law and unfair competition law. Blockeras sought the rejection of Juventus, arguing that the use of the trademarks is included in the image rights granted by Vieri. In addition, it was stated that Juventus trademarks were not registered in Class 9 for downloadable virtual goods. The court did not follow this argumentation on the grounds that Juventus trademarks are well known and it is not relevant that Vieri was part of the Juventus football team and granted authorization to use its image on the digital cards. Furthermore, the court pointed out that Juventus owns trademark protection for NFT digital cards through the broad registration of its trademarks for downloadable electronic publication, Class 9 NICE classification. Also, the fact that Juventus is active in the crypto games field, i.e., online video games based on blockchain technologies and uses cryptocurrencies and NFTs, was considered relevant. The court, therefore, 
held that creating and marketing the NFTs by using Juventus trademarks constitutes trademark infringement as it leads to a likelihood of confusion through the identity of the signs, used in a way which misleads the public as to the existence of a commercial or group relationship between the defendant and Juventus as the trademark owner. Moreover, the court found that Blockera's behavior constituted unfair competition through the unauthorized use of a third party's trademarks, distinctive function of the trademark, and misappropriation of the merits associated with the trademarks used, attractive function of the trademark. Takeaways An NFT is not the good itself. Generally, an NFT represents a digital or non-digital asset, but it is not the good itself. It is a code containing information about the asset. It is possible that somebody other than the owner of the NFT is the owner of the property rights or the intellectual property rights. Trademark offices are incorporating a new type of, virtual, good. Weepo has incorporated downloadable digital files authenticated by non-fungible tokens, NFTs, in Class 9 in the 12th edition of the NICE classification, in force since January 1, 2023. The EUIPO states that an acceptable specification would be downloadable music authenticated by NFTs in Class 9 or providing an online virtual environment for trading virtual art and virtual art tokens in Class 35. In Switzerland, the IPI accepts downloadable digital files authenticated by non-fungible tokens, NFTs, or software, which can represent goods virtually in Class 9. Seek appropriate trademark protection in the virtual world. Brand owners should be aware that protection in the non-digital area, e.g., shoes or clothing in Class 25, may not be sufficient to defend their rights in the digital world. While big brands can rely on their reputation, smaller brands will be much more affected if they are not protected for virtual goods in Class 9, and eventually the services in Classes 35 and 41. However, the big brands are in a much better position if their trademarks are protected in the virtual world. Therefore, appropriate trademark protection is a must. Define licenses and terms of use. For the virtual marketplace of brand owners, suitable licenses and appropriate terms of use in relation to the brands should be considered. Ensure trademark protection in the relevant countries. If brand owners enter the virtual market, the relevant territory of sale might be much larger than in the real world. Customers in many countries will be reached. It is, therefore, advisable to review the current trademark portfolio and extend the trademarks of interest for the real goods and the virtual goods to the new relevant countries. Indeed, similarity searches must be conducted before filing the new trademarks. Request for permission to use a trademark. Prior to the creation and selling of NFTs, it should be verified that no unauthorized use of a third party's trademarks will take place through an NFT or an item in the metaverse. Otherwise, permission from the trademark owner needs to be requested. Review licenses. Brand owners should adapt their existing license agreements regarding the virtual use of their trademarks. Monitoring the virtual use of brands. To react as soon as possible against the use of a business's brand in the virtual world without authorization, monitoring of the digital marketplace should be initiated. Page 56. Switzerland. Profile and article. Name, Dagmar Claudia Kaya. Law firm, Dorman IP. Country, Switzerland. Position, 
Director and Managing IP Consultant. Website, www.dorman-ip.com. Ms. Claudia Kaya acts as Director and Managing IP Consultant for the Swiss IP law boutique firm Dorman IP located in the Canton Zug. She holds a Master of Science in Chemical Engineering from the Technical University of Dortmund and a degree in Interior Architecture and Interior Design from the Hamburg Academy, HAF. Claudia started her career at the University of Dortmund, working in the Department of Process Technology as a research associate. Thereupon she entered an international chemical group dealing with know-how, trade secrets, and licenses in 36 countries all over the globe as one of the production managers. Before her assignment in Switzerland, Claudia acted as managing IP consultant and branch manager at one of the leading IP offices in Turkey. Leveraging her experience and expertise with global IP matters, foreign business, and legal and social communities, she provides efficient IP service to a worldwide clientele. Her practice areas are patents, industrial designs, and trademarks, focusing on the industries of chemical and mechanical engineering and medical engineering, polymer processing, life sciences, and interior equipment. She is an intuitive business developer who uses creative yet critical thinking. Claudia regards empathy and emotional intel as essential in the hypercommunicative world of business. She believes solid and friendly conversations help to build better business relationships. She pays great respect to client perception, speedy feedback, and follow-ups. Peers say she is a fast adapter, flexible, versatile, and resourceful. Claudia lives with her family in the countryside near the Alps, where she loves outdoor walking, photographing nature and strolling through different art and archaeological exhibitions. Her favorite artworks are by Jack Vetriano, Klimt, Klett, Irene Sherry, and German Expressionism. Having a professional dance education, she loves to visit dance tournaments. She has also developed choreographies for children and youngsters herself. Claudia acts in many charity associations through which she gained awards for international understanding. Her language skills underline her international personality. Claudia is a native speaker of German, has close to native speaker fluency in English and Turkish, and basic to intermediate knowledge of Italian and French. Memberships INTA, ECTA, PTMG, VPP, INGERS, and AIPPI. Page 57. Article. IP Protection for Startups. Written by Claudia Kaya, Director at Doorman IP, Switzerland. Unique ideas need IP protection from the very beginning. When starting a business, one of the most important things is to think about the protection of one's intellectual property, IP. Intellectual property is what makes a business unique and gives a competitive advantage. Several factors can affect a startup's build-up, including the company's condition, the market size, and the business's overall financial health. Starting a new business also involves taking many logistical and administrative decisions, which often seem discouraging. IP is one piece of the puzzle when evaluating the startup. Startups normally operate with limited financial resources which are focused on the primary needs of the business. Small and medium business startups are often created by independent inventors and are usually self-funded. Intellectual property is considered to be one of the most important assets of a startup company. 
Depending on the nature of the business and the type of intangible assets, IP can take many forms, including patents, trademarks, designs, copyright, and trade secrets. Each type of intellectual property can offer different benefits and protection for a startup. Patents provide exclusive rights to the use of an invention, which can be highly valuable. Trademarks, on the other hand, help distinguish a company's products or services from its competitors. A copyright protects original creative works, such as software code or website content. By protecting key assets, IP can help to create and sustain value for a startup. While developing a new business with a new brand, consideration in protecting the new brand with national or international trademark and or designs registration, as well as patents for the product's process with appropriate intellectual property rights, are crucial. Solutions for settlement, strengthening of the international position, as well as for sustained growth of the business, and the protection and enforcement of IP rights are the task force and challenge whilst starting a new business. Ownership. Clear evidence of the ownership or entitlement to use the IP rights is an important asset. It gives the owner of the intellectual property freedom to operate in his focused markets and protects the company's competitive point of differentiation. Intellectual property rights can be an extremely valuable bargaining tool and can be sold for financial gain. IP ensures that you are recognized as the creator of your inventive idea. Any assignment of IP to the company should be adequately documented in writing. Steps should be taken to ensure that any IP created by third-party contractors on behalf of the company or that may have been created by the promoters prior to the incorporation of the company becomes the property of the company. Managing relationships. The basic purpose of a shareholder's agreement is to specify how the company is to be managed and, as far as possible, to address any issues that might arise in advance. This agreement can be crucial in limiting the damaging effects of future conflicts, which can prove catastrophic for any company. Organization. Establishing an effective system for record maintenance and filing key documents, Chamber of Commerce, Revenue Commissioners, etc., at the very beginning is worthwhile. Good practices in relation to maintaining records will be helpful in the event of a potential investment by a third-party investor. An investor will want to carry out due diligence on the business and a key area of the business. This information, readily on hand and in good order, will present a positive impression of the business and its operations. Switzerland. Switzerland is a very attractive and popular place for startups to set up and expand their business. It's one of the most active startup hubs in Europe, plugged into an innovation ecosystem that also understands the challenges of a startup journey. Numerous foreign companies, corporations and or partnerships, have set up a branch in Switzerland to take advantage of the excellent economic conditions prevailing there. Branches may be set up for different types of corporations, among which the acting Jessel Shashelshevshashev, AG, similar to the U.S. Joint Stock Company, and the Gesellschaft MIT Beskrankter Haftung, GmbH, similar to the German or English Limited Liability Company, are the most popular types of corporations selected for these branches. To conclude, startups need competent and cost-sensitive assistance for their intellectual property protection. A balance between legal spending and recognizing the value by establishing structures from the beginning will facilitate growth and protect the business. Page 59. Advertisement. 
Pakarenko and Partners, IP and Law Firm. Intellectual Property Law, Anti-Counterfeiting and Piracy Operations, Litigation, Media Law, Advertising Law, Corporate and Commercial Law, Competition Law and Pharmaceutical Law. Main Office. 72 Velika Vasilkivska Street, 03150, Kiev, Ukraine. Telephone, plus 380-44-593-9693. Fax, plus 380-44-451-048. Email, pakarenko at pakarenko.com.ua. Website, www.pakarenko.ua. Page 60. Ukraine. Profile and article. Name, Antonina Pakarenko Anderson. Law firm, Pakarenko and Partners IP Law Firm. Country, Ukraine. Position, Managing Partner. Website, www.pakarenko.ua. Antonina Pakarenko Anderson is the managing partner and founder of Pakarenko and Partners. She is a registered patent attorney and doctor of law who has worked in the intellectual property field for over 25 years. Intellectual property is Antonina's greatest passion, which motivates and drives her work. Her main principle is a client is a top priority. When a client contacts her with an inquiry, he receives an answer without delay, and the working day sometimes lasts 24-7. This managing partner believes that intellectual property is like a drug, increased knowledge of IP makes you increasingly addicted to it. That is why Antonina Pakarenko Anderson is genuinely in love with her work, and she is not the only one, the entire IP and law firm Pakarenko and Partners team is enthusiastic about IP. The company's specialists are always eager to acquire new knowledge and take on pioneer cases, which is why the professional team of Pakarenko and partners find it easier to cope with challenging tasks. Clients recommend Mrs. Pakarenko Anderson as one of the best professionals in her field and as a real IP guru because they are confident that the work will be done well and in a reasonable time. Antonina's practice covers all aspects of IPR protection and enforcement, IP litigation and non-judicial dispute resolution, licensing, and contracts. Mrs. Pakarenko Anderson also has vast experience representing clients before the Anti-Monopoly Committee in unfair competition matters and before the State Inspection of Ukraine for the Protection of Consumers' Rights. As a certified trademark mediator, certification by the International Trademark Association, INTA, she has practical experience mediating complex trademark disputes. She also serves as a painlist neutral of the forum, formerly the National Arbitration Forum, USA, an ECON-accredited provider of services in arbitration and mediation of domain name disputes. Antonina's experience in consultancy on the national level includes serving as a consultant to the Education and Science Committee of the Ukrainian Parliament. Dr. Pakarenko Anderson has actively participated in the continuing development of Ukrainian intellectual property laws. She has also delivered several speeches at parliamentary hearings dedicated to IPR enforcement. She has served as an advisory body under the Ukrainian IPR office for an extended period. On an international level, Dr. Pakarenko Anderson has been active with several international governmental and non-governmental organizations in the IP field, 
particularly AIPPI, INTA, PTMG, IBA, ECTA, and Marques. The company under her management is a member of the American Chamber of Commerce, ACC, in Ukraine, the German-Ukrainian Chamber of Industry and Commerce, AHK Ukraine, the European Business Association, EBA, the Seed Association of Ukraine and the Ukrainian Berries Association, SEOPRA, ACACAP. As the acting chairman of the Ukrainian Alliance Against Counterfeiting and Piracy, UAACP, and a member of several international anti-counterfeiting coalitions, she provides assistance to businesses in tackling counterfeiting and piracy problems in Ukraine. Antonina Pakarenko-Anderson is the president of the Ukrainian National Group of AIPPI, the vice president of ICC Ukraine, Ukrainian National Committee of the International Chamber of Commerce, on intellectual property issues, and a member of the Ukrainian Patent Attorneys Association and National Association of Patent Attorneys of Ukraine. Page 62. Article. Business and Intellectual Property in Times of Crisis. Written by Antonina Pakarenko-Anderson, the managing partner at Pakarenko & Partners. IP and law firm, Ukraine. The year 2022 has become a true test for people and businesses. Never has there been such a challenging year for Ukraine and its business community. The global COVID-19 pandemic crisis, which also affected our country, has been overshadowed by a full-scale invasion that Ukraine has been withstanding for almost a year. Our company. Recent years have become an actual marathon for our company. In these challenging times faced by our country, we cannot stay idle regardless of the circumstances. After all, like in a marathon race, you should not abruptly stop running because your heart might get damaged. So it is, in our case. Stopping, as well as retiring from the distance, is not an option. Therefore, we needed to adjust to save the business and survive these difficult times to retain clients and pay salaries to employees. There is no ideal time for change, the main thing is that it is not too late. No matter how terrible it is, a crisis can always become a new opportunity. That is why we mobilized, and even when everyone seemed tired, we got our second wind and kept moving forward. The previous years of the COVID-19 outbreak taught our company to be more flexible and maintain daily communication with clients and authorities under any possible adverse circumstances. This became possible thanks to developing a reliable IT infrastructure and security, transferring employees to remote work, and optimizing internal decision-making processes. We managed to ensure uninterrupted communication not only for internal processes but also in external contacts with government authorities due to modern technologies and implementing the use of personal access accounts and electronic signatures. This allows for effectively protecting the client's interests in times of crisis. An ability to combine remote work with work in the office, building an internal flexible IT network architecture, using cloud technologies, high-performance computers, and regular replacement and updating of IT equipment made it possible to minimize the business risks associated with the crisis. Our company has a great team of like-minded people, which is always a point of support for me as a manager. And I feel I am lucky in this sense. The team consisting of professionals with good work organization only becomes stronger during any challenges. Staying operational in the current situation becomes possible thanks to the strong expertise of the Pakarenko and Partners team, providing legal services at the highest professional level.
the company's team manages to live and work, maintaining its pace with its clients and recharge from them at the same time. Ukrainian businesses and intellectual property. The top positions in the ranking of successful Ukrainian businesses are occupied by brands associated with food products, milk processing and the production of alcohol, beer, and soft drinks. They are followed by brands associated with retail trade, pharmaceutical manufacturing, fuel, energy, and household goods. In 2020 and 2021, among the newly created businesses, the entities involved in commerce, catering, and beauty industry prevailed, while in 2022, registration of freight transportation, postal services businesses and charity organizations increased. Nowadays, no business will enter the market in a particular country without a complete package of intellectual property rights covering trademarks, industrial designs, geographical indications, copyright objects, inventions, utility models, plant varieties and other items, as well as legally competent contracts. Obtaining registration documents for intellectual property items provides a business owner with competitive advantages in the market as well as monopoly rights to achieve the desired commercial results. At the same time, this prohibits others from using the IP items that had made their business successful. Advertising is one of the most effective tools used by businesses to familiarize consumers with goods and services, improve brand recognition or expand their market presence. Due to the mainly visual or audiovisual nature of advertising, when developing advertising materials, one should comply with the legal requirements for the use of intellectual property items. A right holder must design the advertising campaign very carefully to avoid cases of improper or illegal use of other people's intellectual property objects, which can ultimately ruin the brand image and drive away potential consumers. By the way, Omnichannel communication remains a marketing trend in 2023. It suggests an informative and technical unity of all channels of communication with a consumer. Companies preparing for the future have already consolidated all their advertising platforms into a single system, securing access to all services through their own application. Of course, the above legal and practical recommendations are not exhaustive since every business needs to develop and further protect its specific set of rights. Therefore, you should never skimp on qualified advice it is always cheaper to prevent a problem than solve it. Under the current conditions and during the subsequent post-crisis recovery, IP rights and their protection and enforcement will continue to play a significant role in increasing Ukraine's attractiveness to investors and the country's development. Pakarenko and partners have a powerful team of specialists who can ensure the European level of protection of their clients' IP rights, so we are confident in our positive and stable business future in the short run. The IP Protection System Due to changes in the state intellectual property system, from November 8, 2022, the Ukrainian National Office for Intellectual Property and Innovations, WANIPIO, is designated as an entity performing the functions of a national IP authority and the performance of these functions by the state enterprise Ukrainian Intellectual Property Institute, Ukrapatent, is terminated. The process of transferring the national IP authority functions from the SE Ukrapatent to WANIPIO is underway. According to the new law, the terms for the acquisition and protection of IPRs are suspended during martial law in Ukraine, including the deadlines for the following actions. Renewal reinstatement of IPRs. Oppositions. Challenging the decisions of the Ukrapatent in court or before the appeal chamber.
invalidating patents. At the same time, since all the prosecution is maintained online, any reasons for missing a deadline should be well substantiated before the one IPO. Therefore, if possible, we strongly recommend adhering to the deadlines, including filing the responses, claiming Paris priority, PCT filing, etc. Ukrainian Legislative Framework Applicants can be individuals or legal entities, associations of persons or their successors in title. Foreigners enjoy the same rights as nationals, they must elect a registered patent attorney. Trademarks may be words, including proper names, letters, numbers, pictorial elements, colors, the shape of goods or their packaging, and sounds, provided that such designations are good to distinguish the goods or services of one person from goods or services of other persons, good for their entry in the register in such a way as to enable a clear and precise scope of the legal protection provided. Rights to a well-known trademark shall be protected in compliance with Article 6 BIS of the Paris Convention and law based on the recognition of the trademark as well known by the appeals chamber or court. The trademark may be recognized as well known regardless of its registration in Ukraine. As soon as the formal examination is completed, the details of the application are published in the official electronic bulletin and entered in the electronic database of applications. Upon publication of the details of the application, any person may familiarize themselves with the application details and file a motivated objection against the application or validity of the international registration in Ukraine in respect of the inconsistency of the sign contained therein with the registrability requirements. Complete, substantive, examination on meeting the requirements of registrable. An applicant may appeal to the court or the chamber of appeals. A person who has filed opposition may appeal the decision on the application to the Chamber of Appeals if the objection submitted at the stage of the examination is not taken into account. In Ukraine, a right holder has the exclusive right to permit or prohibit other persons from using his trademarks. According to the law, foreign persons have equal rights with persons of Ukraine provided by this law in accordance with international agreements of Ukraine. According to the law, the storage of goods bearing the mark for the purpose of offering it for sale, the sale shall be deemed to constitute the use of the mark, i.e., constitute the entitlement of the certificate holder. At the same time, storing products bearing a mark, which is used without the permission of its owner, shall be deemed to constitute a violation of the rights to the mark if it is carried out for the purpose of bringing such products into commerce. According to the current Ukrainian legislation, the illegal use of the right holder's trademark constitutes an infringement of its intellectual property rights. Such illegal use also results in misleading consumers as to the origin and quality of products and constitutes an act of unfair competition. According to the law of Ukraine on consumer protection, the falsified product shall mean any product manufactured in contravention of technology, or with unlawful usage of a mark for goods and services, or with the copying of the form, packaging, exterior design as well as unlawful reproduction of some other person's goods. According to this law, the introduction of falsified products into commerce shall be prohibited. According to Ukrainian legislation, violation of intellectual property rights entails criminal, administrative and civil liability. Expectations We all wonder what the global world and Ukraine will be like in 2023. Ukrainians know the answer everything will be fine because now we are all open to change, as never before. 
This means that old businesses will transform, and new ones will be established, while business achievements will be guaranteed by IP protection, as it always has been in recent decades. Our team will always help the client because we are acting in the best interests of our clients 24-7. Customer first, that's our motto. That is why when we receive a client's request, we provide our feedback immediately. Professionals who genuinely love and admire intellectual property, and this motivates us and gives impetus to master new knowledge and take on pioneering and challenging tasks. A team of like-minded people ready to stay up until midnight to solve a difficult situation. United by a common goal which is to provide the services needed by the client at the highest professional level. Page 64. Advertisement. Santiago Mediano Abogados. We support creators. We support those who create ideas, products, and companies. We support intellectual, cultural, innovative, and rich ideas. Areas of practice. Trademarks, designs, patents, copyrights, domain names, IP portfolio strategy, filing, prosecution and management, oppositions, cancellations, licensing and agreements, enforcement slash unfair competition, litigation, alternative dispute resolution, anti-counterfeiting. Sectors. Fashion, retail and consumer, media, entertainment and sports tourism. Sylvia Hernandez, founding partner, acknowledged by WTR 1000, Chambers and Partners. And IP Stars. Contact. Campo Amor, 18, 28004 Madrid, Spain. Tell, plus 34913106363. S. Hernandez at SantiagoMediano.com. Page 65. Spain. Profile and article. Name, Silvia Hernandez. Law firm, Santiano Mediano Abogados. Country, Spain. Position, founding partner. Website, www.santiagomediano.com. Silvia Hernandez is a founding partner at Santiago Mediano Abogados, a business law firm offering multidisciplinary advice to national and foreign companies. She is the head of the firm's industrial property department and has led a multidisciplinary team of IP experts since 2003. She has over 25 years of experience working in well-known and prestigious national and international law firms. Sylvia has extensive experience in all matters relating to IP rights, including trademarks, designs, patents, domain names, copyright, and software. She specializes in advising on global IPR protection strategies, helping clients maximize, register, and protect their IPRs, as well as in large-scale portfolio management, working closely with law firms and IP agents worldwide. She represents and provides consultancy to a wide and important range of domestic and overseas clients from various industries, including fashion, media and entertainment, food and beverages, sports, IT, and education. Sylvia is an accredited agent with the Spanish Patent and Trademark Office, OEPM, and a representative at the European Union Intellectual Property Office, EUIPO, and the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO. She is also a member of the Spanish Official Association of Industrial Property Agents, COARPI, the Spanish Official Association of Doctors and Graduates in Philosophy and Sciences, 
and the International Trademark Association, INTA. Sylvia is a founding partner and member of the governing board of the Lawbotics Association, a forum for debate and exchange of knowledge for companies, professionals, and experts in the legal, scientific, technological, and business fields, which seek to promote the widespread dissemination of knowledge in the areas of interest to the association, robotics, artificial intelligence, virtual and augmented reality and metaverse. She is known and respected for her capability to understand her clients' needs and for always going one step further. Her trajectory and experience in industrial property has been recognized by clients and also by prestigious publications such as the World Trademark Review 1000, from 2018 to 2022, IP Stars, 2021 to 2022, Iberian Lawyer IPAN TMT Awards 2022, Finalist Lawyer of the Year Trademarks, European Legal Experts, from 2005 to 2013, Legal 500, from 2004 to 2009, and the European Legal 500 Special Edition, from 2005 to 2007. Sylvia is recommended by the World Trademark Review 1000, 2022 edition. A superb fit for companies in the media and entertainment industries, Santiago Mediano Abogados teams up with brand owners to support them through all stages of the trademark lifecycle and help them achieve their business goals. The team is prompt, professional, and has an excellent grasp of complex IP issues. Raw talent comes in the form of founding partner Silvia Hernandez, who has a knack for identifying the best strategic plays for patrons with ambitions of expansion in Europe and Latin America. Silvia always has a variety of solutions when it comes to resolving trademark issues, and her in-depth knowledge and expertise is very valued. She is an excellent professional. The European Legal 500 Special Edition recognized her as a highly recommended professional. In addition, Sylvia carries out pro bono work involving advising and representing charitable and non-profit organizations, NGOs, foundations, and persons of limited means. In her spare time, she loves to travel all over the world. She speaks Spanish, English and French. Page 66. Article. Trademark Protection in Spain. Written by Silvia Hernandez, founding partner at Santiago Mediano Abogados, Spain. A trademark registration gives the owner of that trademark the legal right to use it and prevent another person from using it. If you do not register your brands as trademarks, there are no guarantees that you have the right to use them. In some legislations, the right to a trademark is obtained on a first-come first-served system. However, in Spain, the right to a trademark is acquired by registration. The Spanish trademark system is regulated by Law 17-2001, of December 7-2001, on trademarks. Such a system is based on the registration of a sign that will grant the priority right over it to whoever first applies for it as a trademark. According to trademark law, the registration of a sign as a trademark confers on its owner the exclusive right to use it in the course of trade. This means, in practice, that whoever registers first is the one who will have the exclusive right to use the such sign in the course of trade, an exclusive right that grants him the capacity to prohibit third parties, without his consent, from using and or registering identical or similar signs for identical or similar goods or services. 
Since the main function of the trademark is to enable consumers to identify the good or service of a company to distinguish it from identical or similar goods or services of competitors, trademarks play a key role in the development and marketing strategies and contribute to projecting the image and reputation of a company's goods and services among consumers. A company's image and reputation inspire trust, which in turn creates a loyal customer base and enhances the value of the company. Consumers who are satisfied with a particular good or service are more likely to buy or use it again, as they often become attached to particular brands based on a preference for a number of qualities or characteristics inherent in the products bearing those trademarks. What to register? When selecting a trademark, the entrepreneur must adopt a sign that is valid and suitable as a means to promote the sale of its goods or the contracting of its services. From the commercial point of view, the trademark must be Euphonic, names that are difficult to pronounce, rude or aesthetically unpleasant should be discarded. Easy to remember, its commercial success depends to a great extent on this quality. In Spain, trademarks may consist of words, letters, figures, drawings, colors, the shape of the product or its packaging, sounds, holograms, patterns, or a combination of these elements, which are used to differentiate goods or services. Who can register? Any natural or legal person. They may act directly or through an industrial property agent or a duly authorized representative. Natural or legal persons who do not have a domicile or a real and effective industrial or commercial establishment in the European economic area must be represented by an industrial property agent. Where to register? This will depend on the company's business strategy and its strategy with respect to the protection of its intangible assets. If operating in a single EU country, the logical recommendation is to register only in that country. If you operate in more than one EU country, a very convenient method is to register your trademark in the whole European Union. European Union trademarks are protected in the same way as the 27 member countries, with the advantage that it is the registration as a single trademark for all present and future countries that make up the European Union through a single procedure and lower costs than those of registering a trademark in several countries. Trademarks valid in Spain are registered in any of the following trademark offices. Spanish Patent and Trademark Office, OEPM National Trademarks. European Union Intellectual Property Office, EUIPO European Union Trademarks. World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO International Trademarks with the designation Spain or the European Union. Can priority be claimed? Applications may claim the priority of one or more earlier applications for the same trademark in a state party to the Paris Convention, the agreement establishing the World Trade Organization or any other state that has entered into a reciprocity agreement with Spain. The convention priority is six months from the filing date of the first application. When to register? In Spain, registration may and should be applied for before using the trademark. It is not necessary to use the trademark for it to be granted. How long does the registration last? In Spain, the trademark is granted for 10 years from the date of application and may be renewed indefinitely for successive periods of 10 years. The protection obtained with the registration of the trademark extends to the entire national territory, including the Canary Islands, the Balearic Islands, Ceuta, and Melilla. Use of the trademark. Once granted, the owner of the trademark is obliged to use it so that if, 
Within five years from the date of publication of the grant, the trademark has not been put to genuine use by its owner in Spain for the goods or services for which it is registered, or if such use has been suspended for an uninterrupted period of five years, the trademark may be revoked at the request of a third party, unless there are justifiable reasons for the lack of use. Trademarks change over the years to modernize the company's image and the trademark itself. Although the Spanish trademark law allows the use of registered trademarks with slight non-substantial modifications, the owner should be cautious as to whether the changes made require filing a new application. The use in the market of a trademark in a form other than the registered one may also affect the owner's rights. If the registered mark and the mark used are not equivalent, the owner will lose its trademark protection and risk the revocation of the trademark for non-use, leaving the mark used unprotected at the same time. Furthermore, without proof of use, the owner will not be able to oppose subsequent registrations of identical or similar trademarks. To conclude, it is important that any sign used in the course of trade has been registered in Spain as a trademark for the goods and or services it distinguishes. If the trademark is not registered, any person is free to file the application before the trademark office. Whoever obtains this right may prevent another person from using the trademark. In addition, by using an unregistered trademark, you could infringe on another trader's registered trademark, and you may have to change your name. Therefore, it makes no sense to invest time and money into building your brand only to have to start all over again. Consequently, having a registered trademark is the best way to ensure you maintain control over your intellectual property and puts you in a much better position to enforce your rights and avoid any confusion. Page 68 Advertisement Voknina and Partners, Russia Trademarks, Patents, Utility Models, Designs Russia, Ukraine, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan, Georgia, Moldova, and Armenia Trademarks, Trademark Search, Trademark Prosecution, Trademark Monitoring and Trademark Litigation Contact IP at www.voknina.ru www.voknina.com Tell plus seven four nine five two three one four eight four zero. Moscow, Russia. Page sixty nine. Russia. Profiles. Profile one. Name: Tatiana Vaknina. Law firm: Vaknina and Partners. Country: Russia. Position: Senior Partner, Russian Patent and Trademark Attorney, Eurasian Patent Attorney. Website www.vaknina.au. Dr. Vaknina is an honorary advocate of the Russian Federation and patent and trademark attorney of the Russian Federation, since 1993, and a Eurasian patent attorney. She currently practices in trademarks, prosecution, litigation, and patents and utility models in mechanical, electrical and aviation engineering. DR. Vaknina has more than 35 years of experience working in IP, patents, trademarks, IP litigation etc. Being a founder of Vaknina and Partners IP law firm, she is now a senior partner of the firm. According to the most reputable Russian and foreign magazines and ratings, DR. Vaknina is one of the leading IP professionals in Russia. Since the year 2010, she has continuously been listed as a leading legal expert by Who's Who Legal and Best Lawyers. IAM Patent 1000 included DR. 
Vaknina to the list of the best individuals, litigation, as well as our firm Vaknina and Partners, which was ranked as one of the top six best IP firms in Russia for litigation and transaction. As the rating states, Totyana Vaknina, who has nearly four decades of experience advising clients across the IP spectrum. An advocate and a Russian and Eurasian patent attorney, there is no patent issue that she cannot handle. Dr. Vaknina and her team of attorneys represent clients' interests in Russia and at the Eurasian Patent Office. Vaknina and partners cooperate with reliable partners and associates in other Eurasian CIS countries, such as Ukraine, Belarus, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Armenia, Azerbaijan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Moldova, Tajikistan, as well as Baltic states. Tatiana speaks Russian and English. Profile 2. Name, Elena Arkina. Law firm, Vaknina and Partners. Country, Russia. Position, Patent Director, Russian Patent Attorney, Eurasian Patent Attorney. Website, www.vaknina.au. Dr. Elena Akina is the head of the patent department and patent director at Vaknina and Partners. She is also a patent attorney of the Russian Federation and a Eurasian patent attorney. Elena has a PhD degree in chemistry and has gained experience in IP since the 1980s. Dr. Akina currently specializes in patent matters in chemistry, biochemistry, pharmacology, pharmaceuticals, and other life science matters such as biotechnology, medicine, etc. She has been working in various management positions at the Russian Patent Office and was the head of the patent department of Rupto. Elena was one of the important developers and contributors of the agreement on the patent prosecution highway, PPH, between Russian PTO and Japanese PTO. She has been recently listed as a leading patent expert by Best Lawyers and received other acknowledgements from other ratings. Dr. Elena Akina has been a member of the Advisory Council of the Russian Patent Office for several years. Being a member of several international and Russian IP organizations, such as Elias Russia Lacey and Chamber of the Patent Attorneys of the Russian Federation, she actively participates in IP community life. Elena speaks Russian and English. Page 70. Africa segment page. Page 71. Ghana. Profile and article. Name, Sarah Norka Anku. Law firm name, Anku. Anku at law. Position, senior partner. Country, Ghana. Website, www.ankuatlaw.com. Lawyer Mrs. Sarah Norka Anku is a private legal practitioner, intellectual property attorney and consultant, and senior and founding partner at ANKU. ANKU AT Law, Ghana and Nigeria and Patent Assist LLC, Wyoming, USA, with over two decades of experience in IP practice. Her law firm, ANKU. ANKU AT Law is a registered Aripo, African intellectual property organization, agent as well as agents in Ghana and Nigeria. Together with her colleagues at ANKU. ANKU AT Law, Mrs. Anku provides IP registration services in Ghana, Nigeria and the Aripo region and assists her clients to effectively enforce their IPRs in Ghana and Nigeria. 
She prepares IP commercialization contracts and assists her clients in negotiating robust and effective IP contracts and related agreements. Her law firm won the Top 50 Legal IP Companies Award at Singapore's 2019 IP Guerrilla Conference. As an IP consultant, Mrs. Anku facilitates the development of IP policies and IP strategies with relevant template agreements for institutions and businesses. Her law firm ANKU. ANKU-AT Law, in a joint venture consortium with a development planning consultancy firm, is currently developing a technology transfer framework for the government of Ghana under a World Bank project in Ghana. Sarah has also provided training services and developed a case study and materials on doing business in Ghana, IP tips for market access for the Africa IP SME Help Desk of the European Commission, AFRIPI project of the EU IPO. She was a key expert on the Danish Technological Institute facilitated ACPEUTBT program in the United Republic of Tanzania. Mrs. Anku worked at the Ghana IP office for almost a decade as an assistant registrar and state attorney. She was a vice chairperson of two sessions of the SCP of WIPO and served as Ghana's delegate at some WIPO committees and administrative council sessions. She is a board member of the Ghana National Folklore Board a member of the IP Committee of the Ghana Food and Drugs Authority, FDA, a member of the International Advisory Council and an associate partner of the AFCFTA Policy Network, APN. She is the founding president and a director of Intellectual Property Network, Ghana, and a member of All Things IP Africa. She was recently appointed a member of the Global IP Matrix Editorial Board for the year 2023. She is a lecturer at the MPhil Intellectual Property Program at Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, Ghana, and a member of the Ghana Bar. Sarah is an ardent IP speaker locally and internationally. In this capacity, she was the voice of IP at the recently ended prestigious 74th New Year School Conference, which is an annual intellectual conference organized by the University of Ghana which ended in a communique to guide government policy on trade as relates the African Continental Free Trade Area, AFCFTA. Sarah publishes articles on IP and has two books on the subject to her name. Her latest book, Monetizing Your Creativity and Innovation, An Introduction to Intellectual Property, targets the youth and seeks to guide them in monetizing their creativity. Sarah holds an LLM and LLB, Ghana, MIP, Zimbabwe, Master of Science. London, QCL, Ghana, and BSc. Ghana. Page 75. Article. Intellectual Property Rights Infringement and Alternative Dispute Resolution, The Current Trend in Ghana. Written by Sarah Norka Anku, Senior Partner at Anku. Anku at Law, Ghana. Introduction. Ghana is a low-middle-income country located in West Africa along the Gulf of Guinea. It has a population of over 30, 30 million people and a rising middle-income class with a high taste for luxury goods. There is also an equally huge market for lookalike luxury brands, whether for used goods of luxury brands or fake copies of the brands. It is not surprising that there is a current trend of copied designs, copyrighted content, labels, trade dress and trademarks among competitors in the Ghanaian market. The apparent increase in intellectual property rights, IPRs, infringement has raised some high-profile IPR disputes in Ghana. 
The increased number of disputes may be attributable to increased awareness of the rights of IP owners and businesses. Consequently, the issue of IPO enforcement can no longer be ignored or treated with cursory attention. Ghana is TRIPS compliant as relates to IPO enforcement measures. The various IP laws provide for administrative, border measures, and criminal and civil enforcement measures. Apart from the copyright laws of Ghana, which make provisions for ADR, the IP laws do not specifically mention alternative dispute resolution as an IP enforcement measure. Nonetheless, the ADR laws of Ghana have provisions that allow some IPR disputes to be resolved by ADR. What is ADR? Alternative Dispute Resolution, ADR, is an out-of-court dispute resolution mechanism. ADR methods may vary from one jurisdiction to the other. However, some widely used methods are arbitration, mediation, and negotiation. Other forms of ADR methods include expedited arbitration and expert determination. ADR processes are generally faster, more efficient and cost-effective than court litigation processes. ADR methods are increasingly being used as preferred dispute resolution mechanisms in cases where litigation was the norm, such as in land disputes, property settlement distribution, custody issues, personal claims, and, quite recently, intellectual property infringement matters. Primarily, ADR is a preferred dispute resolution mechanism because it fosters collaboration and amicable settlement and allows parties to tailor practical solutions to resolve their differences. Moreover, unlike in court litigation cases that are held in public, most ADR methods are private in nature, ensuring the preservation of the parties' reputations and relationships. History of ADR Practice and Relevant Laws of Ghana ADR practice in Ghana dates as far back as pre-colonial times. The practice has persisted in various traditional norms and values in Ghanaian societies and communities, with disputes being resolved customarily by chiefs, elders, and heads of families and clans in various traditional communities in accordance with the customary laws of the communities. Such customary laws have been given recognition in the current constitution of Ghana and thus form part of the laws of Ghana. The 1992 Constitution of the Republic of Ghana is the supreme law of the land, and it provides in Article 11 as follows. Article 11, 1, the laws of Ghana shall comprise, a, this constitution, b, enactments made by or under the authority of the parliament established by this constitution, c, any orders, rules, and regulations made by any person or authority under a power conferred by this constitution. d, the existing law, and, e, the common law. 2. The common law of Ghana shall comprise the rules of law generally known as the common law, the rules generally known as the doctrines of equity and the rules of customary law, including those determined by the Superior Court of Judicature. 3. For the purposes of this article, customary law means the rules of law, which by custom are applicable to particular communities in Ghana. The customary law as defined by the Constitution of Ghana, includes rules existing within the various communities of Ghana. In origin, these were ethnic-based rules and norms passed on from one generation to the other and developed to constitute an essential part of community laws. It now finds expression in Ghanaian law. One of such norms and usage is the customary law alternative dispute resolution system. The main act of parliament which governs ADR is the Alternative Dispute Resolution Act, 2010, 
Act 798. It provides for the settlement of disputes by arbitration, mediation, and customary arbitration. It establishes an alternative dispute resolution center and provides for related matters. The Act also encourages disputing parties to use established national ADR centers to resolve disputes. It excludes from ADR matters that relate to a. the national or public interest, b. the environment, c. the enforcement and interpretation of the Constitution, d. any other matter that by law cannot be settled by an alternative dispute resolution method. Point one in effect, so long as intellectual property rights disputes are not specifically excluded from ADR, matters of IPR's infringement may be resolved through ADR. The Copyright Act, 2005, Act 690, categorically provides for negotiations, and Copyright Administrator facilitated mediation of copyright disputes in Section 48 of the Act, which states that, where any dispute arises between any parties under this Act or in relation to any copyright or claim under this Act, the parties involved in the dispute may seek to negotiate a settlement of the dispute. Where negotiation under subsection 1 fails, a report may be made by either or both parties to the copyright administrator, who shall mediate for settlement. A party dissatisfied with a decision to submit to mediation made under subsection, 2, may seek redress from a court of competent jurisdiction. There are other acts of parliament, regulations, and policies that provide ADR as a dispute resolution mechanism which indirectly impact IPR dispute resolution. These include the High Court Civil Procedure Rules, C.I. 47 Under the Rules of Court, the High Court, Commercial Division, of Ghana has original jurisdiction over all IP cases. The procedure at the Commercial Court includes a mandatory pretrial settlement which involves a court-mediated settlement attempt. Point two. The Courts Act 1993, Act 459, encourages the use of ADR to resolve disputes pending before the Courts. Point three. The Ghana Investment Promotion Centre Act, 2013, Act 865 The Ghana Investment Promotion Centre, GIPC, established by the Act, is tasked with facilitating and regulating national and international investment for economic growth and development. The Act provides for ADR mechanisms under Section 33 and states as follows. Where a dispute arises between a foreign investor and the government in respect of an enterprise, an effort shall be made through mutual discussion to reach an amicable settlement. A dispute between a foreign investor and the government in respect of an enterprise to which this act applies which is not amicably settled through mutual discussions within six months may be submitted at the option of the aggrieved party to arbitration unless there is an arbitration agreement to the contrary, the method of dispute settlement shall be mediation under the Alternative Dispute Resolution Act, 2010, Act, 798. Taking into account the number of legislations and policies with provisions on ADR, one may conclude that ADR is a preferred dispute resolution mechanism. Unfortunately, ADR, as relates to IP infringement disputes, is not a common practice. IP enforcement challenges and ADR. In Ghana, enforcement of IPRs through the courts and recently through ADR faces challenges leading to continuous flagrant and brazen infringement of IPRs by individuals companies and, in some cases, international organizations. The challenges include high cost of litigation that may be too expensive for the IP owner, ignorance of IP owners about the availability of ADR option, 
Lack of confidence in the ADR option due to preconceived misconceptions. Lack of IP awareness and express ADR provisions in most major IP laws. Many uninformed and untrained persons handling IP enforcement matters. Lack of or deficiency in the training and remuneration of ADR practitioners in the area of IP. Curiously, recent awareness creation activities by some IP practitioners are yielding positive results, with IP owners being empowered and more conscious of their rights, thus taking bold steps to enforce the rights. Examples of some ADR IP enforcement cases include the Kirani Ayat case, copyright contract cases handled by the copyright administrator and facilitated mediation of business trademark and industrial design infringement cases by some statutory regulatory bodies. The Kirani Ayat's copyright infringement case. On September 27, 2022, a video shared on Ghana's President Akufuado's social media handles with the intention of promoting tourism used footage from Ghanaian musician Kirani Ayat's Gouda music video. Kirani Ayat accused the Ministry of Tourism and the Ghana Tourism Authority of infringing the copyright on his music. Other creatives in the entertainment industry joined Kirani Ayat in speaking up, maintaining that Kirani ought to receive compensation from the Ghana Tourism Authority, GTA for using his intellectual property. The GTA's argument that it obtained the right to use the copyrighted work from a creative agency was refuted by the agency. Seeing that Kirani Ayat was conversant with his IP rights, GTA called for settlement. The copyright infringement dispute was resolved by ADR, and the settlement reached included an agreed future collaboration between Kirani Ayat and the GTA. Probable effect of the Ayat case on IP infringement and ADR in Ghana. The Kirani Ayat case led to conversations around IPRs on social media, however, it was short-lived, as the news of the settlement saw a gradual decline in IP rights conversations. Notwithstanding, the said case has birthed something that must be built on by implementing sustainable measures to facilitate the growth of ADR as a fundamental means of settling IP disputes in Ghana. Conclusion and way forward. ADR has been an effective IP enforcement mechanism in many jurisdictions, with the World Intellectual Property Organization Arbitration and Mediation Center promoting such IP dispute resolution mechanisms. In the circumstances, it is highly recommended that adequate and intense ADR and IP rights advocacy and public sensitization programs should be implemented in order to further develop ADR as an effective IP enforcement mechanism in Ghana. IPR's awareness creation among right holders to enhance understanding of their rights and to empower them to enforce their rights. Collaboration with WIPO, about 54 countries currently collaborate with WIPO in the promotion of the use of ADR options for IP dispute resolution, consequently, most of these countries are opening up to the idea, thereby reaping the reward in the speedy and cordial resolution of IP disputes. In conclusion, pragmatism is required of the IP administrative institutions, practitioners, and creatives alike to promote ADR as an effective IP enforcement measure. Page 75. Advertisement. Enku Enku at Law, Legal Practitioners, and Intellectual Property Consultants. IP practice areas, registration of patents and trademarks, industrial designs, and copyright, recordals and maintenance of various IPRs, enforcement of IPRs, commercial contracts, due diligence and business intelligence. Other practice areas, 
litigation and arbitration, immigration consultancy services, mergers and acquisitions, debt recovery, trade and investments. Connect with us. Ghana, telephone, plus 233-244-380-163 or plus 233-302-266-731. Nigeria Telephone, plus 234-905-950-8874. Website, www.ankuatlaw.com. Email info at anku at law.com or patent assist at anku at law.com. Social media anku.anku law Africa. Page 76. Asia segment page. Page 77. India. Profiles and article. Name Manisha Singh. Law firm Lexorbis. Country India. Position. Managing Partner. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Manisha Singh is the founder partner of Lexorbis. Manisha is known and respected for her deep expertise in the prosecution and enforcement of all forms of IP rights and for strategizing and managing global patents, trademarks, and designs portfolios of large global and domestic companies. Her keen interest in using and deploying the latest technology tools and processes has immensely helped the firm develop efficient IP service delivery models and provide best-in-the-class services. She is also known for her sharp litigation and negotiation skills for IP and non-IP litigations and dispute resolution. Manisha is involved in a large number of intellectual property litigations with a focus on patent litigations covering all technical fields, particularly pharmaceuticals, telecommunications, and mechanics. She has also been involved in and successfully resolved various trademarks, copyright, design infringement, and passing off cases in the shortest possible time and the most cost-efficient manner applying out-of-box strategies and thinking. She is an active member of many associations like INTA, APAA, AIPLA, AIPPI, LES, and FICPI and is actively involved in their committee work. She is an active writer and regularly authors articles and commentaries for some of the top IP publications. Name, Niharu Hela. Law firm, Lexorbis. Country, India. Position, Senior Associate. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Niha is a registered patent agent and a law graduate. Her proficiency ranges over life sciences, IP practice and law. She holds a master's degree in biotechnology and earned research experience at the Indian Institute of Technology, Bombay. On the professional front, she deals with drafting, prosecution, opposition, and advisory matters, especially in biotechnology, biomedical, pharmaceuticals, nanotechnology, and polymer-related inventions. Ms. Ruhela has a profound understanding of patent laws and regulations and keeps herself abreast of the latest trends in the sector. Page 78. Article. Deconstructing the Efficacy in Indian Patents Law, Recent Developments. Written by Manisha Singh, partner, and Niha Ruhela, Senior Associate at Lexorbis, India. The distinction between the concepts of invention and patentability was at the heart of framing the Indian Patents Act. 1970 and which is reinforced by the 2005 Amendment to Section 3, d, of the Act. 
The basic requirements of an invention are novelty, inventive step and capability of industrial application. Moreover, post-amended section 3, d, acts as a second tier of qualifying standards for chemical substances and pharmaceutical products to leave space for genuine inventions and, at the same time, keep a check on the repetitive patenting or extension of patent term on spurious grounds, dubbed as evergreening. Section 3, d, bars patentability of inventions that are mere discovery of a new form of a known substance which does not result in the enhancement of the known efficacy of that substance or the mere discovery of any new property or new use for a known substance or of the mere use of a known process, the machine or apparatus unless such known process results in a new product or employs at least one new reactant. Thus, it prohibits patenting of incremental inventions involving only minor or slight improvements that extend the life of patents that are about to expire. Hence, it ensures generic competition by patenting only novel and genuine inventions. An equally contrary view has also emerged. The challengers argue that Provision 3, d, fails to incentivize innovation and is incompatible with the trade-related aspects of intellectual property rights. TRIPS, agreement, as it does not provide patent protection to incremental innovation. Recently, a leaked draft chapter on the IP of the India-UK Free Trade Agreement contains a provision on eliminating Section 3, d, which has added fuel to the debate on this contentious clause. Over time, the Indian courts have provided shape to their efficacy exclusion clause. Let us demystify some key judicial verdicts that shed light on various crucial aspects of this provision. Therapeutic efficacy. In Novartis v Union of India, 2013 6 SCC 1, the Supreme Court upheld the validity of Section 3, d, and its compliance with the TRIPS agreement wherein member countries have been provided flexibilities to exclude certain subject matters from getting patents. The landmark judgment held that the subject invention, Gleevec, was a beta-crystalline form of a known drug, imatinib mesylate, and did not differ significantly in properties with respect to efficacy and, therefore, could not be patented. It was held that the test of efficacy would depend upon the function, utility or purpose of the product under consideration. For a chemical substance or medicine that claims to cure a disease, the test of efficacy implies therapeutic efficacy only. It must be validated by sufficient evidence or comparative data to prove enhanced efficacy in a therapeutic sense. The Novartis ruling held that not all advantageous or beneficial properties are relevant, but only such properties that directly relate to efficacy should be considered. Inventions involving process. In Chigai Seiyaku Kabushiki v Controller of Patents, 2022 DHC 001337, the Delhi High Court held that the mere method for preparation of a tablet form of a known drug, tofogliflozin, by direct compression method would not be patentable as the same would not constitute enhancement in the therapeutic efficacy of the drug. The applicant submitted that its invention provided a tablet comprising tofogliflozin with improved disintegration and dissolution properties compared to the conventional production methods. However, the court found that the tablet form of tofogliflozin was already disclosed in the cited prior art. Also, it opined that the claimed process, in effect, was not different from an already granted patent in respect of tofogliflozin cited as a prior art. Further, no significant enhancement of the known efficacy of tofogliflozin had been explained in the subject invention with comparative data, therefore, 
the subject invention would be hit by section 3, d. The comparative data in respect of disintegration and dissolution, as projected by the applicant, was not considered as significantly enhanced therapeutic efficacy by the court in terms of the test laid down by Novartis. There was no evidence correlating the effect of a shorter duration of disintegration on the treatment of a patient. Hence, the court upheld controller's rejection order invoking Section 3, d. Onus probandi. The burden of proof lies on the person who asserts a proposition. Even though the principle of the onus is generally associated with trials, DS Biopharma v. Controller of Patents, 2022 DHC 003563, in a way, imports this idea for quasi-judicial patent proceedings. In some instances, controllers raise a generic objection and bald reasoning regarding non-patentability US 3, D, without actually specifying the known substance in the hearing notice or refusal order. In DS Biopharma, the Delhi High Court held that if an objection US 3, D, were to be raised, the precondition would be the identification of the known substance, and the patent office must specifically identify that very known substance in question. In the absence of such proper identification, it would be difficult for the applicant to rebut the controller's objection and provide appropriate efficacy data. Thus, the initial responsibility of identification of the known substance lies on the controller, not on the applicant, resembling a liberal interpretation. Efficacy in division. The applicant can divide out a patent application by filing a divisional application if the parent application exhibits a plurality of inventions. The divisional application shall be deemed to have been filed on the date the parent application was filed. The issue regarding raising an objection US 3, D, in respect of divisional applications was dealt with briefly in Novartis AGV Controller of Patents, 2022 DHC 003180. In this case, the patent office raised an objection that a compound claimed in the divisional application did not bring about any increase in therapeutic efficacy and showed the same therapeutic behavior as that of the parent compound disclosed in the parent application. The High Court held that the question of therapeutic efficacy US 3, D, would arise only if the application in question was completely independent and did not originate from a parent application. Such an objection or test of therapeutic efficacy cannot be sustained for the divisional application in comparison to the compounds disclosed in the parent application since the divisional application traces its origin to the parent application, which would not be deemed as a prior art. Devil in the details. The applicants should be careful in responding to the objections US 3, D, and need to demonstrate the enhanced efficacy duly supported by relevant data. The data must establish therapeutic efficacy in the case of pharmaceutical inventions. Even if the corresponding patent application has been granted in other jurisdictions, the applicant would still have to deal with the efficacy test under Indian jurisdiction, as Section 3, D, is unique to the Patents Act 1970. On the hand, the controller should provide adequate opportunity to the applicants to deal with the objection US 3, D. Controllers ought to consider the data provided by the applicant and assess if the applicant has provided sufficient data to overcome the objection. On some occasions, the high courts noted that the controller's rejection orders were cryptic and lacked reason or any analysis of how the subject invention would not jump the non-patentability hurdle US 3, D. Courts remanded back such matters to the patent office for reconsideration.
Conclusion Through the legislative scheme of Section 3, D, India strives to balance international patent obligations and its commitment to promoting public health and access to medicine. It is argued that Section 3, D, is a catalyst for genuine innovation since it acts as a safeguard against frivolous successive patents intended to make an invention evergreen. This stance was further fortified over the last two years by Indian Parliamentary Committee. The lawmakers opine that India must not compromise on the patentability criteria under Section 3, D. The patent law, coupled with Novartis's, 2013, pronouncement, has evidently given teeth to the patent office in curtailing secondary patenting. However, the statutory power under this provision has to be exercised by controllers with the utmost care and following due procedure, otherwise, it might have a spillover effect over the pharmaceutical innovation ecosystem. Invoking of the said provision in a mechanical and customary manner, is the least expected. Judicial decisions provide much-needed clarity on the ambit and applicability of Section 3, D, and also the manner in which an objection should be raised by the Patent Office. With the recent judgments of the Intellectual Property Division, IPD, in the Delhi High Court, the subjective interpretation of Section 3, D, is gradually fading away. The Indian Patent Office should streamline its practice and procedure in light of evolved jurisprudence around the efficacy clause. Lastly, Section 3, D, may not be perceived as an absolute embargo on the patentability of incremental inventions as it leaves the doors open even for such inventions, provided they pass the litmus test of efficacy corroborated with requisite data. Page 81. Advertisement. Lex Orbis. Intellectual property attorneys. Your most trusted IP partner. New Delhi, Mumbai, Bengaluru. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Email, mail at lexorbis.com. Telephone, plus 9111237165565. Page 82. India. Profile and article. Name, Dr. Joshita Devar Kimani. Law firm, L.S. Devar and Company. Country, India. Position, Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at Law. Website, www.lsdevar.com. Dr. Joshita Devar Kimani is the current Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at Law at L.S. Devar and CO, a full-service intellectual property law firm established and headquartered in Kolkata in 1932 by the late Mr. L.S. Devar, an attorney at law. Skilled in client relationships, litigation, management, intellectual property, and trademarks, Dr. Joshita Devar Kimani has dominated the Indian legal space for more than 30 years. With a corporate office in Delhi, zonal offices in Bengaluru and Guwahati, and an international liaison office with associates in over 145 countries, she has significantly increased its legal services wings. Under her leadership, the firm has received several accolades, awards, and recognition from prestigious and globally recognized organizations on various international platforms. Here is a list of proud moments as the firm has received accolades in the Indian and international IP fraternity. 
Top Managing Partners of India by Forbes India for the second consecutive year with above 10 years of experience. Finalist under Top Managing Partner of the Year by ALB Women in Law Awards 2021. Certificate of Recognition by Honourable Sri Suresh Prabhu, Member of Parliament, Roger Saba, for her contribution to the IP field. She has been recognised as the IP expert from India by Asia IP. Top 100 Powerful Women in Law She was ranked under the Individuals, Prosecution Table in the India Chapter by IAM Patent 1000, the world's leading patent 2021 edition. Recognised as the IP Boutique of the Year in the year 2020 by the Asia IP. IP Star ranked firm consecutively for the years 2018, 2019, and 2020 by the renowned IP Stars. Recognised as the most trusted IP law firm for the last four consecutive years, i.e. 2018, 2019, 2020 and 2021, by the Economic Times, E.T. IPR Leadership Award 2020 by Niti Aog. She is also a member of CII, ASOCAM, FICI, INTA, AIPPI, APAA, GIUR and AIPLA. Her leadership quality and decision-making abilities have made L.S. Devar and Company stand tall in the legal space. With over 90 years of glorious legacy in the IP domain, her legal team offers professional services in handling, protecting, and enforcing a multifaceted portfolio of patents, trademarks, designs, copyrights, domain names, and geographical indications. Being a great place to work. Several attorneys have been with the firm for more than 25 years, and their dedication has made client retention for more than 30 years possible. Her influence, administrative quality and guidance has given rise to dedicated departments and advisory services under the following heads. Patents, trademarks, designs, copyrights, geographical indications, domain disputes, AI laws and regulations, annuities and renewals, infringement and counterfeit, agreements and licensing, IP audit, due diligence, dispute resolution, advisory services, biodiversity, data privacy and protection, cybersecurity laws, media and entertainment laws. Dr. Devar Kamani and her team have been relentlessly offering world-class legal services within the IP domain and helping their clients build a strong IP portfolio and ensure a competitive advantage. Nevertheless, as a part of her CSR, she is now the president of Busty Welfare Center, BWC, and has been actively involved in the mission of the BWC. Imparting free education to the underprivileged children to make them self-supporting happens to be one of our primary goals, she says proudly. BWC operates with over 500 students studying from nursery to class 7. All expenses like books, uniforms, medical expenses, Midday meals and tuition fees are borne by the organization, says Dr. Dave Kimani. The Honorable Governor of West Bengal is the chief patron. Page 83. An insight into the discretionary and quasi-judicial powers of controller of patents in India. Written by Dr. Joshita Kimani Deva, Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at Law, L. S. Deva & Co., India. With great power comes great responsibility Winston Churchill. It is a well-known proverb that power never comes alone, it carries a greater aspect of responsibility. This is true of administrative officers in India, 
including the controller of patents under the Patents Act 1970. The controller has been vested with a wide range of powers, and, with these powers, they must equally exercise abundant caution to responsibly exercise these powers. They use these powers with the objectives that have been incorporated therein. Looking at the powers vested upon the controller of patents, it is clear that the controller of patents is the highest nodal officer and agency to administer patent law in India. Various general, discretionary, and quasi-judicial powers have been vested into the controller under the Patents Act 1970. In this article, we aim to delve into the powers of the controller of patents and how the law of the land has evolved with respect to the scope of these powers. Being a common law country, the principles of natural justice, including the right to be heard, are enshrined in the Indian legal system. In this regard, Section 80 of the Indian Patents Act states that before exercising any power that may adversely affect the rights of the applicant, the controller shall give the applicant an opportunity to be heard. Further, Rule 129, and Rule 129a, read in conjunction with the above Section 80, lays down the manner of exercise of these powers of the controller. The Indian judiciary has also examined the extent of the exercise of discretionary powers of controllers wherein it established the scope of their exercise by the controllers. For example, in the case of Lech Pharmaceuticals D.D. The Assistant Controller of Patents and Design won the humble Delhi High Court stated that the controller of patents being the custodian of patent rights, according to the law, shall always examine the patent application in totality. When the applicant has resubmitted the documents with exhaustive observations, the controller shall always consider those observations fully and take decisions to refuse or grant a patent. In the case of Nokia Corporation versus Deputy Controller of Patents and Designs 2 which discussed on the discretion of the controller to extend the time under Rule 138, the humble High Court of Madras held that it is a well-settled law that the courts and statutory authorities are to do substantial justice, it is the discretion of the controller to extend the period on facts and circumstances of the case. Further, in respect of the above, the Manual for Patent Office Practice and Procedure also lays down that, a. The discretionary powers shall be exercised with due care and caution and not in an arbitrary manner. c. Before exercising any discretionary power under the Act or these rules which is likely to affect an applicant for a patent or a party to a proceeding adversely, the controller shall give such applicant or party a hearing after giving him or them 10 days notice of such hearing ordinarily. 3. Therefore, the controller of the patent has been treated at par with other administrative authorities and is expected to discharge their duties under the Patents Act while doing substantial justice in exercising their discretion. When it comes to quasi-judicial powers, unlike discretionary powers, the statute does not clearly delineate the quasi-judicial powers of the controller. However, in the case of intellectual property attorneys, VS Union of India and ANA for the Delhi High Court has used the term quasi-judicial officials for trademark registrars and held that the decisions of registrars are reasoned speaking orders, arrived at after hearing representations from both parties and complying with the provisions of natural justice, typical characteristics of quasi-judicial authorities. Thus, a parallel observation may be drawn regarding the controller of patents also being a quasi-judicial authority under the Patents Act, including receiving evidence of affidavits, summoning of witnesses, requiring discovery of documents and reviewing of decisions. Point five. Also, in the case of Re Martin and Bottling Developments Limited. 
6. It was held that, t, he controller is, therefore, a tribunal, performing quasi-judicial functions. Therefore, the controller is also a quasi-judicial functionary and has been given powers as such under the Act. Accordingly, in discharging such duties, the controller of patents must act in such a manner to appropriately further the requirement of justice. Hence, it may be established that the controller of patents has tremendous powers under the Act to govern the law of patents in India. Still, they have a clear responsibility to ensure compliance with natural justice, discharge their powers, and exercise discretion with the application of mind to further the cause of justice. References www.ipindia.gov.in The Patents Act, 1970 The Patents Rules, 2003 Manual for Patent Office Practice and Procedure, 26 November 2019 2005, IPQ, No. 3 Copyright Symbol Suite and Maxwell Limited and Contributors 2005. www.ccconline.com Page 85. United Arab Emirates, Dubai. Profile and Article. Name, Maria Farakia Fan Khan. Law Firm, United Trademark and Patent Services. Country. United Arab Emirates. Position, Senior Partner. Website, www.utmps.com. Miss Maria Farakia Fan Khan graduated from Wellesley College with a major in biochemistry and a minor in Spanish. She was a Commonwealth Scholar at the University of Cambridge, from where she holds a BAMA, Law Tripos. Maria was called to the Bar of England and Wales as a member of Lincoln's Inn and was a recipient of the Hardwick Award. Subsequently, she has worked in leading international law firms in London and New York. Maria is a senior partner at United Trademark and Patent Services and spends most of her time at the firm's offices in the UAE. Her practice focuses on patent and trademark work with a particular interest in litigation and regional portfolio management for her clients. Maria has advised several multinational clients on their enforcement issues throughout the region, combining a holistic and multi-tiered approach to solve complex infringement issues. Maria is a member of INTA, APAA, AIPLA, AIPPI, ECTA and other leading IP associations. She has spoken at IACC and other international conferences and authored papers in various IP publications. Maria is also an adjunct professor at LUMS, Sarsal, where she introduced a course on intellectual property law, competition law and startup law. United Trademark and Patent Services is a leading firm of lawyers and consultants specializing in intellectual property, IP, rights and issues. The firm has been serving its global and regional clients in more than 196 jurisdictions worldwide with quality services that have won it the leading position it holds today in this specialized field of law. The firm's services include searching, filing, prosecution, registration, licensing, franchising, transfer of technology, arbitration, dispute resolution, enforcement and litigation, anti-counterfeiting, due diligence, counseling, etc. With a heritage dating back to over 70 years, UTPS is a reliable and well-established specialist firm in laws relating to IP in the Middle East, Africa, and South Asia. By persistently keeping pace with new technologies, changes in the law, 
know-how, etc., the firm is well-placed to advise on strategies for protecting knowledge, vision, and ideas. The firm continues to be named as one of the best IP firms by various legal publications every year. Excellence in work has won the firm a leading position in this specialized field of law with leading Fortune 500 companies in the firm's portfolio. The firm covers the following jurisdictions. Middle East and Africa. Bahrain, Djibouti, Ethiopia, Algeria, Libya, Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, Morocco, Oman, Qatar, Kuwait, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia, Tanzania, Tanganyika, Zanzibar, United Arab Emirates, Iraq, GCC, OAPI, Aripo, South Asia, Pakistan, Afghanistan, India, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Nepal, Bhutan. Page 86. Article. Women and Innovation. The Road Less Traveled. Written by Maria Farakir Fan Khan, Senior Partner at United Trademark and Patent Services, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. It is the year 2023, and despite the tremendous developments in gender equality, there still exist huge gaps between men and women in various spheres of life, including education and entrepreneurship. After more than a decade of experience working with innovators and entrepreneurs in the MENA region, my belief that women's entrepreneurship and innovation are synonymous with women's empowerment has become even stronger. I have witnessed women's entrepreneurship become a growing field worldwide and finally reach the radar of many international development agencies and renowned organizations. Even though women are still underrepresented in innovation, as an IP expert, I have had the chance to meet with quite a few of them. One key takeaway from these meetings is that, usually, their approach is a little different from how men view innovation. There are always exceptions to the rule, but by and large, women typically have a vision-oriented approach rather than a market-informed one and aim for a relatively less risky idea. While both men and women go through business-related hurdles, it can be argued that the latter face extra challenges like lack of finance, training and knowledge gaps, or weak external support systems, e.g. role models and professional networks. Moreover, the additional cultural and familial responsibilities require women to put more effort into balancing their traditional caretaker roles and their professional aspirations of being creators and innovators. In my opinion, the issue lies in society's desire to equalize roles rather than trying to create more equal systems for both men and women, which may not necessarily be identical. Even after becoming innovators, these women entrepreneurs face considerable challenges in protecting their innovations. As in most parts of the world, the subject of intellectual property is seen as a pretty complicated one in the MENA region. I have come across business owners who know the best next step is to file for patents and register trademarks, but the process seems daunting to them enough to avoid it as much as possible. Unfortunately, the misconception that it consists of complicated application processes and the need for more awareness about the ease of carrying out the procedures and paperwork needs to be put across through proper channels with the help of the relevant domestic frameworks, stakeholders, and policymakers. Programs like the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, IP Mentorship Program for Women Inventors and the International Trademark Associations, INTA. Women's Leadership Initiative can be great examples to follow. Providing proper mentorship and regular informational seminars on different aspects like RAND D, product development, commercialization, 
and IP management strategies can significantly benefit women innovators. Based on my personal experience of being associated with organizations like Women in IP, these like-minded communities prove to be an avenue for women to come together in a synergetic way, networking and exchanging ideas. We should also be mindful that these initiatives to increase the participation of women in the innovation ecosphere should not only target the ones that have already entered the business field but also those women that possess exemplary skill sets and potential to create a business from their innovative ideas. These women need to be empowered to transform their knowledge into something tangible that can ultimately have commercial value and grow exponentially. The hesitancy to enter this cutthroat market with an idea or product that you believe is just yours needs to be minimized by the motivation and positive reinforcements of increase in value of the company, additional credibility to one's business, recognition, and increase in revenues. Realistically speaking, this process cannot happen overnight. It must be a collective and continuous effort by policymakers, investors, incubators, public and private organizations, society, and cultural upholders. I firmly believe that innovation can only be fostered when inventors are sure that their creations will be accredited to them and them only. The role that I, being in a leadership position at an international intellectual property firm, can play in this is to address and recognize the special gift of creativity, provide inventors avenues and access to our services, and help them acquire the exclusive rights to use their creations. As part of a society, we collectively need to understand that entrepreneurship and innovation, in any form or kind, ultimately increase the broader productivity gains of a society. Groundbreaking innovations tend to provide solutions to pressing problems confronting individuals and communities. Integrating more women into the innovation ecosystem is a win-win situation for everyone living in a world where new developments and unprecedented and or unresolved global issues go almost hand in hand. I will not call it a starting point since it would be unfair to discredit the endeavors already done to promote entrepreneurship and innovation in women globally. Still, these efforts can be further embedded into academia, business models, training, and development of workforces, especially in bio- and tech-related companies, laws, regulations, and future policies. I look forward to the time when the world will acknowledge the great responsibility that women and men equally share to bring about innovation for a sustainable and prosperous future and work together in harmony to achieve it. Till then, we women IP lawyers will take it one step at a time. Page 88. Advertisement. United Trademark and Patent Service. Intellectual Property Attorneys. Your reliable partners for intellectual property matters in Pakistan, South Asia, the Arabian Gulf Middle East and Africa. Trademark, patent, design, copyright, domain name registration, litigation and enforcement law. Regional Head Office. Suites 401-402, Al-Hawai Tower, Sheikh Zayed Road, Dubai, UAE. Telephone plus 971-4343-754. Fax, plus 971-4343-7546. Email, Dubai at unitedtm.com or unitedtrademark at unitedtm.com. Websites www.utmps.com or www.unitedip.com. Page 89. Article. The Long-Awaited Amendment to the Sri Lankan Intellectual Property Act. Geo-Registration. 
Written by Anomi Wanigasekara, partner and head of IP and Sabira Sharif, senior associate at Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. The 16th of March 2022 was a significant turning point in the Sri Lankan legal regime governing intellectual property as it was the day on which the Honourable Speaker of the Parliament endorsed the Certificate on the Intellectual Property Amendment Bill, which introduced a registration process for geographical indications (GIs) in Sri Lanka. All aspects of intellectual property within the territory of Sri Lanka, including GIs, are governed by the Intellectual Property Act. No. 36 of 2003, IP Act. The Amendment Act, no. 8 of 2022, Sri Lanka has achieved a long-awaited mechanism to blossom its delegations under the TRIPS Agreement for the Registration of GIs. GIs of Sri Lanka can be protected in all the member countries of WTO under the national law of the particular country. GIs help to identify the place of origin of a product. The law protects GIs by prohibiting their use of it for goods that are not actually originating from the respective geographical areas. Key benefits could be industry investment, consumer protection, rural development, the protection accorded to traditional knowledge, promoting value addition etc. The protection accorded through registration is national as well as international. Prior to the Amendment Act of 2022, GIs were protected as collective marks certification marks. For example, in the absence of an established procedure, goods like Ceylon cinnamon were only registered as certification marks under the heading of trademarks. Now goods like Ceylon tea, Ceylon cinnamon, Ceylon pepper, and Ceylon cashews could be registered as Sri Lankan GIs. It is, however, important to note that Sri Lanka obtained certification marks for Ceylon tea in 2010 and Ceylon cinnamon in 2013 and proudly obtained its first GI certification for Ceylon cinnamon from the European Union in 2022. As the substantial law has now been laid down, registration of a GI in Sri Lanka is facilitated, and it is prudent to familiarize the procedure to be followed. The Forum of Registration would be the National Intellectual Property Office of Sri Lanka. However, the regulations made under the new law are awaited and down the pipeline. The process. The process begins by tendering an application to register a GI through any association of persons or producers or any organization or authority established by any law representing the interests of the producers of any relevant good. One the law has placed certain restrictions in registering a GI, and specifically, a GI shall not qualify to be registered if, too it does not comply with the definition of GI under the IP Act, the use of which is contrary to law, morality, religion, accepted customs, or public order, is not or ceases to be protected in the country of origin as a GI, or has fallen into disuse in such country, is identical with the term customary in common language as the common name of the relevant good. Misleads or deceives the public as to the characteristics, nature, quality, place of origin and production process of the good or its use, or constitutes the name of a plant variety or an animal breed. Subject to the foregoing, if a GI is accepted for registration, it will be published in the Government Gazette 3 which will then be open for any opposition within three months from the date of such publication. Upon successful registration of a GI, it will be valid for 10 years from the date of registration which refers back to the date of application and is renewable every 10 years thereafter. A registered owner of a GI will have exclusive rights distinguishing between goods of the same kind and otherwise for. Once registered, 
If the registered owner of a GR intends to amend the specifications and associated control plan due to the development of technologies, sciences, and the delimitation of the geographical area, an application may be made, and the same will only be accepted if the identity of such registered GI is not affected. Further, any person who has registered a GI as a certification mark under the previous regime, if he so wishes, may apply to register such mark as a GI under the new system. It is also interesting that foreign GIs may be registered in Sri Lanka as long as such GIs are protected in their country of origin as a GI or a certification mark and that a registered GI shall not become generic, which refers to the name that is generally known as the common designation of the good registered as a GI. There are also provisions relating to instances where certain circumstances may lead to cancellation of the registration of the GI, such as where any goods registered as GI lose their special characteristic as GI goods the registered owner fails to comply with the conditions and requirements, if any, subject to which such GI is registered, renunciation and failure to renew. GIs are likewise enforceable through civil and criminal suits in cases of infringement, counterfeiting, and misrepresentation and under the statutory provisions of unfair competition provided in the IP Act. Therefore, it is very important to utilize the procedure to boost commercial growth associated with GIs which is well required in the contemporary. Page 90. Industry Services Profiles and Articles Segment Page. Page 91. United Kingdom, Profile and Article. Name, Claire Gibson. Company, Patworld. Country, United Kingdom. Position, Senior Patent Analyst. Website, www.patworld.com. Claire Gibson is a senior patent analyst working for Patworld Limited in the United Kingdom. She has a keen interest in climate change and empowering minorities, along with diversity, inclusion, and equality. On a technology level, Claire's passions are femtech, optics, semiconductors, and electronic instrumentation. She regularly publishes articles both in print and online. See her latest on Femtech in this issue of the Women's IP World. She has developed expertise in patent search and analysis across multiple disciplines. Claire has been a senior patent analyst since 2017. She has a BSc degree in physics from Cardiff University, which she achieved after looking for a career change. She also recently completed the Level for Leadership and Management qualification and achieved both whilst still working full-time so she is adept at multitasking and prioritizing work. Claire works on the physics and mechanical team carrying out patentability novelty, clearance FTO requests, invalidity, mapping, state-of-the-art, and monitoring cases for companies worldwide. She is a key member of the company's patent search teams, involved in searches for international patent attorneys in private practice, in-house and for major blue-chip companies. With her interest in climate change, Claire is regularly involved in searches around green technology, including but not limited to electric vehicle batteries, solar panels, wind farms, and offshore wind water power stations. In her spare time, Claire loves hiking in her local countryside and reading sci-fi and classical literature. Her favorite book is The Catcher in the Rye. Patworld is a patent, design, and trademark search provider working with clients globally. Our patent research teams have provided the knowledge and expertise for patentability, freedom to operate, FTO, patent busting, state-of-the-art, 
patent landscape and mapping searches. Patworld brings quality and experience to their flexible service that can be customized to the way you work, your exact research outcomes and your budgetary requirements. Our clients include patent, design and trademark attorneys, corporate IP departments, entrepreneurs and inventors. Each uses our services in different ways to maximize savings on time and money without compromising on quality. For further details on our searches, please go to www.patworld.com forward slash gb forward slash order hyphen a hyphen search. Page 92. Article. Disclaimer. Images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of the Women's IP World Annual 2023. Femtech Female Technology. Written by Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst, writing on behalf of Patworld, UK. Femtech is a relatively recent term coined in 2016 by the Danish entrepreneur Ida Tin, creator of the period and menstruation tracking app Clue where the term is now synonymous with technology focused on women's health. Such technology often includes software, diagnostics, products and services, with a large proportion holding female reproductive health at its core. For example, fertility solutions, menstruation tracking apps, pregnancy care, nursing care, sexual wellness, contraception, and general reproductive health care are a few areas where femtech operates. Whilst many people may associate femtech with mobile apps, femtech is not limited to such. It's an umbrella term that additionally encompasses any digital or standard health tool aimed at women's health. Examples include wearable tech, internet-connected medical devices, hygiene products, such as the digital tampon, relationship advice organizations, sexual pleasure and advice tools, menopausal services which may offer advice, suggestions for managing menopausal symptoms, and even may help identify perimenopause in women. In addition, Femtech provides services to enable females to upskill within their careers and many other products. Despite the Femtech term being a relatively recent term, there has been a focus and wide range of applications of technology for female health preceding the origins of the term, for instance, smear testing for cervical cancer over regular intervals of a period of time, mammograms for breast cancer screening, the introduction of ultrasounds applicable to pregnancy care which once were not available, online communities specifically centered around females, mothers, relationships, and even in-home testing such as home pregnancy testing, home ovulation tests, along with IVF and options to freeze eggs and systems and methods focusing on female mental health and well-being. All of these over recent history has highlighted the need for innovation, development, refinement and increasing availability of standard health tools available to females. However, when most think of femtech, digitalized software and mobile apps first come to mind. Organizations such as Apple Health and Fitbit provide a free period cycle tracking app as a standard offering via their devices. If you visit an app store such as the Apple App Store or Android's Google Play Store, a vast offering of female health apps can be discovered, some free and some with in-app purchases and or paid subscription options. The aim and benefits of femtech. The ultimate aim of femtech is to reduce disparities within healthcare to provide unbiased care by providing technology and female health insights via a female lens to help make the lives of females just a little bit easier. 
One benefit of femtech is its ability to potentially reduce healthcare costs females may encounter, such as enabling a female to track and or get specific female health medical advice in an app used at home, often offering consultation features rather than having to access government or private healthcare services in person. Essentially femtech assists in broadening access to much-needed gender-specific health tools, where some femtech apps offer bespoke programs and or recommendations. Other benefits of femtech include the availability of anonymity, which may open up information and advice to females who, for whatever reasons, may feel unable to speak in person with a healthcare provider or may even be unable to access such healthcare in the first place. Femtech, which offers advice, articles, and even online communities, provide tools to discuss health issues concerns with others. Ultimately, it can aid to normalize such conversations, which were once considered taboo and may even occasionally offer reassurance to individuals who may be experiencing something they feel concerned alarmed over, but in actuality, could discover may be a common experience and or symptom many other females may experience. Changing the narrative from a taboo conversation to an everyday style conversation can in itself prove to be beneficial. The normalization, move from taboo, is being seen via the availability of app-based femtech downloaded by consumers. One of the main factors in app-based femtech is collecting and storing an individual's data, which, collected over time, helps provide individuals with insights into their health. In contrast, medical professionals could use such data in certain situations to help make diagnoses. For example, endometriosis is often underdiagnosed, where doctors may overlook symptoms and dismiss them as standard period pains. However, data collection over a period of time could be crucial beneficial to highlight a potential endometriosis diagnosis which would effectively result in improved management of such a condition, leading to a relatively better lifestyle for a female with such a condition. Diagnosis helps for correct treatment and management of any condition. Ultimately Femtech can empower women by improving standards of care and by increasing the educational values of such knowledge. It provides women with a means to control their bodies, especially in situations where human rights may not be the same as in Western civilization, a right to their own medical health. The applications of such tech could be limitless. Privacy concerns. However, there are concerns to consider. Privacy of data collection is a primary concern. Minor concerns could include social media sites such as Facebook and companies such as Google where fertility tracking apps share data with such organizations. Facebook, for example, or Meta as it's now called, used such data to target advertising to females based on where an individual was in their menstrual cycle, which clearly raises many ethical concerns. On the other hand, it raises a potential positive question surrounding the use of big data. For instance, female health data in terms of analysis for potential cross-examination into the data in terms of other illnesses. Heart attacks are a leading killer for females. Is there a link between female health data and heart attack percentile factors? Larger concerns about the big data captured by the femtech industry via apps can be highlighted by considering the recent overruling of the historic Roe. The Wade 1973 landmark decision. Whereas a result of this overturning, in some states of the United States, abortions have been made illegal. Concerns are being raised by users of femtech apps, such as period tracking and contraception apps, 
in regard to the use of such data by government bodies to potentially prosecute women who elect to have an abortion in another U.S. state. Such concerns are resulting in some women ditching the use of such apps, along with also potentially disparaging investors, when there are clearly still some aspects of data collection and privacy laws that need to be addressed within the femtech industry, raising the need for a regulatory framework relating to the privacy of such data by its users. Investment concerns. Investment can also be a concern with femtech. There may be a bias in terms of investors not investing in apps central to female health, even though women account for approximately 50% of the population. And there may be a bias in terms of male consumers, who may never look into such apps, when potentially the apps may be helpful to themselves as well, i.e. A mental health app targeting women could offer some advice to a male for his own use or to help understand his female counterpart's current state of mental well-being. Or even the male utilization of a pregnancy tracking app which may help explain or help to understand the stages of a child's growth. A need for diversity and inclusion. Another issue to consider with femtech is the female-centric aspect. Whilst empowering and certainly a step in the right direction for female health, such tech entrepreneurs may very well have the technology to develop technology applicable to males or to be unisex and even to cover non-binary genders, if technology is available to help, then there should be a diversity and inclusion in such technology to enable access to all genders. For example, there are femtech platforms which are creating products and AI to begin home screening of breast cancer, where one creator has an app which images breasts over a period of time to help identify any changes in the breast tissue, which can be a vital tool used to prompt a healthcare appointment for a potential early diagnosis of breast cancer. As we know, an early cancer diagnosis can be the difference between life and death in certain situations. So, if there is such technology being created in the femtech industry, then could this be broadened and translatable to a similar screening of in-home testicular cancer, where the onus is not solely on a self-exam but is backed by imagery and potential deeper tissue imagery, all via the use of a smartphone's built-in camera? Another issue to consider with femtech is that it is generally centric on the internet, smartphones, smart devices etc. So, how does femtech plan to utilize the complete 50% of the population, where poverty, human rights issues, and access to the internet may be limited or even non-existent? How do such companies plan to make their technology accessible to every female, accounting for approximately 50% of the population? Femtech through an IP lens. If we look at femtech through an IP lens, there are various routes to take, as femtech is a broad umbrella term covering a range of services, products, apps, devices etc. We can see advancements from what appears to be the first breast pump in 1854, US 11135, to an enhanced electric breast pump in 2014, US 20143788895 and what appears to be the first tampon in 1931, US 1926900, to biodegradable water-soluble tampons, US 20130281912, and even the more recent cell phone-based digital tampon monitoring system, US 20120040655. And we are seeing this type of innovation increase. Elviv, a femtech organization, offer a hands-free, Smart breast pump which works alongside a mobile app, which allows women to roam freely, 1. 
Natural Cycles are an organization offering mobile app-based femtech to provide digital contraception, removing the need for hormone-based contraception, which has received some criticism. It has also won awards, such as Healthline's Best Birth Control app in 2021, too. And as mentioned previously, Femtech covers such a broad aspect of female health, ranging from wearables, mobile apps, reproductive health, mental well-being, relationship and sexual advice, and the list goes on. IP analysis of such a field requires a bespoke and tailored approach to avoid a generic overview which may potentially miss relevant information. Suppose we were to limit to a particular area, such as a 61B10012, ovulation period determination, along with a 61B54306 asterisk, for evaluating the female reproductive systems, e.g. gynecological evaluations, over the past 12 years. In that case, we can see in the below chart, figure 1, a notable spike in applications between 2016 and 2021. The data for 2022 shown in the chart may not be complete due to the 18-month delay in the publication cycle. Figure 1. Applications in ovulation and female reproductive health patterns, created using Patworld. This spike shows there is activity within the fields of ovulation tracking and female reproductive health, where albeit all of that activity may not be mobile app-specific, the notable significant increase in activity does highlight it is an area of female health which is seeing a rise in IP, which could very well be a result of the recent femtech movement. Despite femtech having notable concerns, especially about privacy and the sharing of collected data, which could essentially be refined and even regulated, femtech offers significant advantages. It raises and normalizes conversations and female health topics that were once considered taboo. Additionally, it offers women the opportunity to feel in control and empowers them to feel more equipped with additional knowledge regarding their own health, notably reproductive health. Moreover, whilst Femtech aims to provide better insights into an area of health, offering female health solutions often created by females themselves, considerations by such creators should be made to see if they can incorporate their technology into potentially male-specific health. Do you have an idea for a new invention for Femtech? Here at Patworld, we conduct a variety of searches using our in-house developed IP database, Patworld, along with other tools, where experienced analysts and management teams can arrange discussions to tailor a bespoke quote, conduct a variety of searches for a client's needs ranging from toe-in-the-water searches to infringement clearances and mapping searches, and provide a concise analysis of any given field including specific femtech industries. https colon double forward slash www.lv.com engb shop lvpump. 2. https colon double forward slash www.naturalcycles.com. Page 96. Article. Building an IP tech business. Rita Okir of WebTMS reflects on 25 years in the industry. Anyone working with trademarks will be familiar with trademark management software. It's the essential tool that keeps you organized and productive, ensuring you never miss a deadline, and your records are always accurate. For thousands of trademark professionals around the world, the software they turn to daily is WebTMS. Founded in 1998 by Rita Okir, Brid Madeley, and Louis Stevenson, this brand has supported trademark attorneys, in-house teams, 
paralegals, and administrators for a quarter of a century. As the team celebrates 25 years in business, Helen Hopper, associate copyright manager at C8 Consulting caught up with co-founder Rita Okir to learn more about her story and what the future holds. From nursing to marketing, an unconventional beginning. I was the only student nurse attending the ward in a sharp pencil skirt, tucked in shirt, and a briefcase. Growing up, Rita wanted to become a nurse. She undertook pre-nursing training but quickly found that it wasn't for her. I was the only student nurse attending the ward in a sharp pencil skirt, tucked in shirt, and a briefcase, she laughs. But despite her polished exterior, it was the emotional pressure that proved most challenging. Following the death of a patient she had become close to, Rita was advised by the ward matron, as much as you have a caring heart, you do not belong in a ward. Subsequently, Rita embarked on a marketing diploma, and the course of her career was set. The pivot into the legal industry came when, during a gap between roles, Rita joined Stevenson and Shulman in Chancery Lane, providing administrative support. A two-month placement turned into six months, at which point the proprietor asked her to help him market software he had developed to help him in his trademark practice. It marked the start of her journey in trademark software. Five years later, I was made a director of Hypermark Limited, selling the Hypermark trademark management system. During this time, Rita also got to know computer programmer Brid Madeley, a partnership that was set to shape the future of IP tech development. Fast forward to 1997, when Hypermark was sold, and an opportunity arose for us to set up a new company. In 1998, Intellectual Property Online Limited, IPPO, was formed, including Brid as lead programmer and Andrew Partridge, who is now our development director. Building on strong foundations. This is a little like VHS and Betamax, one will dominate the market, and the other will disappear. The late 1990s represented fertile ground for technology startups in all sectors, and the team felt they had a distinct advantage. The Hypermark software became a world-renowned IP management software, recalls Rita. After selling Hypermark, we quickly realized that there was room in the market for another trademark management system, and we could not think of a better team than the founders of Hypermark combining with Brid's expertise to really shake up the market. It wasn't all plain sailing in the business's early days, not least because of the strong Hypermark brand that now represented the competition. One potential client told Rita, this is a little like VHS and Betamax, one will dominate the market, and the other will disappear. Fortunately for IPPO, the business thrived. Anticipating and meeting market needs for accessibility and security. The features offered by the new WebTMS system were so advanced, including the ability to allow clients to give access to external users, that they caused concern among potential customers. Rita remembers, no one wanted to give access to their records. However, it ultimately became a prerequisite that law firms and trademark agents allowed clients to access their records. Additionally, as recognition of the value of strong brand management grew, corporations sought solutions that allowed marketing departments to access records remotely. Finally, as globalization continued apace, multinational firms wanted a central database for trademark management that they could access from wherever their teams were located. We were the only company in the market that could provide all three scenarios, says Rita. 
Pushing through the initial objections required a huge amount of self-belief from the team. We overcame the initial hurdle by working hard, not relenting, and knowing that we had a good software that, in time, the clients will realize they need, and indeed they did. We believed in the software. This self-belief and ability to meet customer needs have been part of the company's DNA throughout its history. It has grown into an award-winning leader in the market, pioneering the switch to a browser-based solution in the early 2000s, allowing the business to capitalize on the early software-as-a-service market. The team continues developing the WebTMS system based on client feedback and understanding key technology trends. From automatically data syncing records with patent and trademark offices to data analytics reporting and building collaborations with third-party providers, the product and service are always moving forward. However, the most significant change the team has navigated since they started over 25 years ago is security. This is paramount for clients, and the business invests a lot of time in this area, becoming ISO 9001 and ISO 27001 certified. Alongside a consultative approach is a passion for customer service, with a friendly and knowledgeable team on hand to solve problems. Several team members are also qualified chartered trademark paralegals and continue to study across all areas of intellectual property to ensure a deep understanding of market challenges. The changing world of technology sales in the legal sector. During her career, Rita has seen major changes in the way companies buy software and the process they undertake before they seal the deal. Before the proliferation of the internet, sales and marketing were in-person roles that demanded a willingness to cover the globe. Rita typically sent hundreds of hard copy letters to potential clients worldwide, following up with interested parties in person. This required a lot of travel and coordination, recalls Rita. If, for instance, I had six potential clients in Hong Kong, to make my visit to the Far East worthwhile, I would chase after potentials in the surrounding countries. I would then pack my bags and set off for a four-week trip of presentations in the Far East. On average, it would take two trips to the Far East before contracts were signed, then a visit to the client office to install the software, using eight to ten floppy disks, and train them on the system. Today the sales process has changed beyond recognition, and the nature of stakeholders has changed with it. As Rita explains, at first, all I had to do was to demonstrate to the paralegals and secretaries how WebTMS would make them more productive. They would speak to the fee earner in charge, and once they were convinced, the technical team would be instructed to have the software implemented. Now the technical department controls what software can be installed, and we have to convince them via extensive RFIs. Balancing work and life as a woman in IP and technology. In the pressured environments of law and technology, Rita has found it essential to strive for sustained high performance, saying, being in the legal industry, you are always surrounded by very powerful men and women. The only way to overcome a sense of intimidation is by perfecting your craft, knowing your product inside out, and ensuring every presentation is delivered to the highest standard. Getting this right creates a strong sense of satisfaction, and rather than a single career highlight, Rita says knowing the company's solution is powering today's law firms, and legal teams is what motivates her. It is always awe-inspiring when you attend a client's office and see every PC displaying your software, and you know that people depend on it. Achieving this kind of success while maintaining a good work-life balance is not easy, Rita admits, recalling the early days.
It is always difficult to set a good balance when you're starting up a business, but you always need to have a future ideal that once the business is running well you will adopt a pattern that allows you to spend more time with family. In the beginning, all the directors worked long, hard days, but as the business developed, we could employ hardworking, dedicated members of staff, which took the pressure off. Following our experience during COVID, we now have a hybrid system of three days in the office and two from home for all staff. We are a global organization, and several of our staff work remotely full-time, whether in the beautiful Peak District in the north of England or the Three Rivers city of Avondale, Arizona. WebTMS has also built a reputation as a great workplace with a high employee retention rate, and many employees have been with the business for 10 years or more. Looking ahead, much more to come from the team. A long heritage in the industry means Rita and the team have a huge amount to bring to new projects. The business is anticipating an exciting period ahead to bring new features and collaborations to market. In today's software ecosystem, there's no need to reinvent the wheel, which makes for exciting possibilities, says Rita. If a client wants to link a billing system to our software, we just need to create a link through APIs. Collaborating with other software vendors to provide a one-stop shop for our mutual clients is one of the avenues we're exploring with interest. We're also continually adding new features to our solution that reflect the priorities and workflows of our users. Part of this drive comes from the changing roles within the industry, we recognize that paralegals and administrators now conduct much higher value work within teams and should be supported by the very best tools so they can continue operating quickly and efficiently while enjoying a role that is varied and where the formerly mundane aspects have been handed over to technology. Talking to Rita, it is clear to see that there is a lot more to come from the team behind WebTMS. Combining experience with energy and a thirst for innovation, the message is very much watch this space. Page 99. Article. A podcast just for us 2023. The Women's IP World podcast is almost two years old, and we are celebrating. The series launched amidst the pandemic and has been going strong since its inaugural episode in April 2021. It is presented on behalf of Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited and hosted by Michelle S. Katz. Michelle is the co-founder of the intellectual property law firm Advitum IP, LLC, and has provided client counseling, in-depth strategic analysis, licensing prosecution, and litigation in all areas of intellectual property, IP, law for over 20 years. She is most passionate about giving back in a meaningful and measurable way and supporting women from across the IP profession. The podcast series has been a great way to learn about the remarkable minds at the forefront of the IP frontier. The series has featured thought-provoking conversations with some of the preeminent women in intellectual property today and what inspires them to do their work. Michelle brings into focus not only their most memorable cases and career highlights but also their personal stories. Over the course of the last year and a half, Michelle and the team at Women's IP World have conducted monthly episodes with the unique and incredible women that make up the IP community. This series has featured women who have begun their own practices, managed commercial legal affairs for international giants, discussed progressive and developing topics, and contributed to the IP field. Additional topics include the continuing effects of COVID-19 in the workplace, anti-counterfeiting, augmented and virtual realities, inspiring career paths, 
various IP issues across the world, and more. These 30-minute episodes aim to begin a dialogue with these women and provide a brief glimpse into their daily lives and the stories that have shaped them. Michelle's extensive experience in IP allows her to provide a unique perspective and engage commentary for the listeners. Somewhere in these podcasts, we expect you will find a connection with these intriguing women. Certainly, some episodes will speak to you on a personal level so that you'll want to save and listen again. As the women's IP world publication and podcast continue to expand, it is always searching for new content and contributors. If you are interested, please make sure to contact us today at plus 4420381304547 or email us at info at womenipworld.com. Page 100. Article. Work life, how are you balancing it all? Women's health nutritionist, Kerry Ball, discusses how professionals can support their health and well-being whilst balancing a demanding lifestyle. Author bio, Kerry Ball is a fully insured, BANTCNHC registered clinical nutritional therapist. Her private practice, Beyond Nutrition UK, provides an evidence-based approach to personalized nutrition and lifestyle interventions underpinned by the functional medicine approach. Kerry's specialist areas include digestive health, women's health, mood, fatigue, and weight management. Kerry's current research looks at the effects of nutrition and lifestyle interventions on cognition, behavior, and mood via the gut microbiome. Kerry helps support individuals to prioritize their health and well-being by providing one colon one nutrition consultation and offers corporate nutrition services, including nutrition and well-being talks and workshops. As a successful professional, have you ever considered that your health is, in fact, your primary asset? Maybe, one of your New Year's resolutions was to shut down your laptop or PC at a decent hour, or perhaps it was to improve your diet or make the time to prepare healthy, functional food. How successful has this been for you so far? We often hear that we need to strike a work-life balance, however, many of us find this a challenge. Many have family commitments, endless to-do lists, and constant work demands, all enveloped in the new hybrid working model. This can make the almost unrealistic term, work-life balance, ideological, however, it is possible. This article will offer some practical dietary and lifestyle strategies you can include in your schedule, with the ultimate aim of avoiding burnout. It will also provide a simple overview of stress and its impact on the body. This article will encourage you to create more time to prioritize and nourish yourself. After all, without your health and well-being, you may as well kiss that to-do list goodbye. Stress. A certain amount of stress is unavoidable. We all deal with it at some point during our lives, therefore, it is important to know how stress may be affecting our health and well-being. Prolonged stress may reduce immune defense and increase susceptibility to infection and illness. Stress can also compromise digestive health, which may lead to an array of digestive issues. Long-term stress causes the body to produce higher levels of hormones, cortisol and adrenaline. These particular hormones equip our bodies to react to stressful situations, and although the body tries to slow down, it sometimes has inadequate time to recover fully. Suppose our stress response is continuously triggered, which is the opposite of homeostasis, balance, the body's rest and digest response. In that case, your body remains in a state of fight or flight, 
which is a key ingredient for burnout adrenal fatigue syndrome. There is now a solid evidence base which confirms that the food we eat affects our mood. The gut-brain connection plays a major role in linking your central nervous system, including your brain, with the enteric nervous system in your gut. It plays an important role both in digestive and mental cognition and, indeed, capacity. Gut health. When discussing stress, it is important to highlight digestion. The gut impacts everything, and everything impacts the gut, including psychological stress and a busy lifestyle. Not many individuals make this correlation. However, research has demonstrated that stress is concurrent with an imbalance in gut bacteria, dysbiosis, intestinal permeability and other inflammatory bowel conditions. Stress has also been shown to decrease the gut's capacity to absorb the nutrients we obtain from food. For insight, there are beneficial and not-so-beneficial microbes within our digestive tract. We carry around 2 pounds of these bacteria within our gut, and there are trillions of them, with thousands of species, which contribute to both health and disease. Approximately 70% of the immune system is located within the gut, called the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, GALT, with specific bacteria acting directly by regulating the immune system. These bacteria have specific duties that reach beyond the pathology of digestive function. They produce neurotransmitters which are our chemical messengers, and interestingly certain foods have the capacity to increase, balance and produce these neurotransmitters, which include serotonin, dopamine, and gamma-aminobutyric acid, GABA. Serotonin, the happy hormone, has an important role in the central nervous system, and low levels contribute to increased anxiety and low mood. Around 95% of the happy hormone serotonin is produced in the gut and is associated with mood regulation, cognition, memory, the circadian rhythm and sleep. Food sources include mushrooms, pineapple, brown rice, sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, broccoli, turkey, cheese, tuna and tofu. Dopamine, the feel-good hormone, modulates the brain's behavior processes and is part of the brain's pleasure reward system. Food sources include almonds, plantain, olive oil, chocolate, chicory, peanuts, fish, poultry, and meat. GABA works as a neurotransmitter in the brain. Low levels of GABA may elicit feelings of anxiety, fear, and stress. Food sources include buckwheat, kale, rice, shiitake, spinach, sweet potato, avocado, and bananas. Overall, one of the best ways to support gut health is to eat a variety of plant foods to promote good bacteria. Current research suggests that greater gut microbe diversity is associated with health, and individuals who eat 30 different plant-based food per week have more gut bacteria diversity. So, it seems in this instance, 30 is the magic number. It sounds a lot, but it includes fruit, vegetables, whole grains, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, which perhaps makes it a little less daunting. Nutrition support. Several dietary factors may help support our busy lives by increasing and maintaining energy production and supporting immune health. It is important to remember that energy levels rely on a nutrient-dense diet to function well, therefore, Whole, unprocessed foods are recommended to ensure an adequate vitamin and mineral intake. When choosing foods, think of variety and color-rich and seasonal. 
Another good habit is to be mindful to regularly include new foods into the diet, to capture a consortium of phytonutrients. Phytonutrients are compounds present in food that have the capacity to alter biochemical reactions and consequently affect human health. Then there are polyphenolic compounds, namely anthocyanins, which are responsible for the bright colors vegetables and fruit possess. The more vibrant the color, the greater the number of phytonutrients equals vitamins and minerals. Specific antioxidant-rich foods to increase are leafy greens and cruciferous vegetables Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, and kale. Sweet potatoes, tomatoes, pumpkin, squashes, peppers, walnuts, almonds, hazelnuts, artichokes, blackberries, blueberries, strawberries, oranges, grapefruit, papaya, and kiwi. Fermented foods such as sauerkraut, yogurt, kombucha, tempeh, kimchi, and kefir act as prebiotics and help feed the beneficial gut bacteria within the gut. Blood glucose. Keeping blood sugar levels steady during the day is vital to maintaining energy levels. A fall can negatively affect mood and cause an onset of fatigue, which is most certainly not welcome when managing our busy lives. For background, the glucose level in the blood is carefully controlled by a hormone called insulin. After we eat, the amount of insulin in the blood rises. Insulin is then released to bring the blood glucose back down to normal levels. However, if the blood sugar rises too rapidly, the body can release too much insulin, creating a glucose roller coaster. In order to avoid this insulin spike, include foods in your diet that release energy slowly, such as oats, nuts, and seeds, and remove refined carbohydrates, such as white bread, white pasta, and confectionery, to avoid the blood sugar highs and compensatory insulin responses that may cause energy slumps and irritability. Morning routine. When was the last time you got still, eyes closed, and focused on only one thing, your breath? Most of us have a common morning routine which, unbeknown to us, creates a mini burst of stress that accumulate as the day progresses. Maybe we unconsciously check our phones as soon as we wake up and open work emails before we even get out of bed. Without us being aware, this may be causing low-grade anxiety, all before we have even begun to seize the day ahead. This is why intentionally setting the tone of your day can be instrumental in how the rest of the day unfolds. Fortunately, there are some practices we can draw upon. Two specific lifestyle tools include breathwork and meditation, both of which are far from fuzzy, new-age fads but are, in fact, ancient practices with a solid scientific evidence base. Diaphragmatic breathing exercises have been shown to reduce cortisol by regulating the nervous system. Consciously carving out daily me-time can cultivate a real sense of feeling good. Grabbing a few moments and simply slowing down can be an essential element of your lifestyle medicine toolkit. To conclude, taking more time to nourish yourself by creating new habits for your diet and lifestyle can have a tremendously positive impact on energy levels, mental capacity and perhaps even a newfound optimism for our incredible yet busy lives. To arrange a free 30-minute discovery call to discuss your health concerns or corporate nutrition services, email kerry at beyond-nutrition.co.uk. Or telephone plus 447482828036 www.beyond-nutrition.co.uk. Social media handles, LinkedIn, 
www.linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Kerry Ball, IG. At Kerry underscore Ball underscore Nutrition, Facebook at Beyond Nutrition UK. Page 103. Inside Back Cover Advertisement. The Women's IP World Annual 2024. Join the industry's number one annual publication celebrating the works and achievements of women working in IP, IP law and innovation. Join before the 1st of July 2023 to receive a 30% discount on all profiles, editorial and branding packages. Profiles. Articles. Rankings. Accolades. Experience. Achievements. Knowledge share. Available in print, digital and in audio format. Contact plus 44 0 203 813 0457. Email info at womensipworld.com. Page 104. Final outside back cover page. Advertisement. PatWorld is an innovative and cost effective patent search tool developed by specialists to meet the needs of the industry. The core of PatWorld centers around an intuitive search form, providing you with all the tools required to extract and analyze the results you need from over 115 million indexed patent documents covering multiple territories and languages. We have drawn on over 100 years of combined patent searching experience to develop tools. Simple to use. Customize view. Save search history. Share folders. Language translation tool. Flexible payment options. Email for further info. Your access to the world of patents. Search 115 plus million patent documents. Head Office UK. Email sales at patworld.com. North America Office. Email salesna at patworld.com www.patworld.com